0: Hello, everyone. Welcome in to debate night, week 13. Ooh, lucky crazy. number 13, baby. Crazy, it's been 13 weeks.
1: Guess what? I wasn't this weekend. I was not lucky. You
0: weren't lucky. All right, let's just get straight into that. So you played a tournament, Las Vegas. Is this your last tournament of the year? Uh, I don't know. I might Possibly. be doing the, the... Well, that's not sanctioned, the finale.
1: Oh, it's not. Okay. Mm-mm. That's just um, a one-round Yeah, so sanction-wise, that's probably it. I was looking to see whether what other tournaments are happening this year Mm -hmm. um but i'm not liking the weather oh yeah i'm not like there's some tournaments that look like you know possible maybe in like the end of a november range december but it's in like like virginia area charlotte north carolina Virginia, somewhere in there like you know within two hours driving distance but yeah i think i'm just gonna i I think i'm gonna shut it down i think it's the off season it's the officially off season Uh, So yeah, my last tournament was this this past weekend in Vegas. I wasn't lucky on the tables and I wasn't lucky on the course, Mm -hmm. uh, but I had a good time. So for those that don't know and didn't follow me on Instagram or Twitter or whatever this past weekend, um, this is like a tradition that we're slowly starting with some of my old Ultimate Frisbee teammates. So one of my buddies lives out in Vegas. He told me about this tournament that was coming up around Halloween last year and wanted me to come out. I was like, all right, man, I'll come out. You know, he's one of my good friends. So we had a good time hanging out and I got to watch him kind of start slowly getting to disc golf. And that was a lot of fun. And then this year we ended up having one, two, three more, four. Four more people show up, three played. Um, So we had five people total in the event. Uh, And for for those listening, uh, you might know Kurt Gibson. He's probably the the most famous ultimate Frisbee player right now playing um, and probably one of the top five best ultimate Frisbee players of all time. So he played mm. an MA4. So that oh, was... Dang. So yeah. he's like just getting into the sport? He ended up winning. Oh, okay. Uh, shooting, I want to say he shot like plus 27 or something like that. And then his brother, Chris Gibson, who I played all five years with at University of Florida, he got second. And then uh, my buddy who played in MA3... He got like fourth or fifth with uh, a sandbagger that got first. Uh, this, he like went out like the he like the he's not a sandbagger, but he didn't really know what division to play in. Yeah. And so like he shot like minus. Was one. it his first tournament? I think maybe. If it's his first but he's tournament, he can't but he's can't been playing a long time. But you're right. First ah! tournament you
0: can never hurt someone. They whatever. I would have they to play, look up
1: to see if he, it was his first term or not.
0: If they've played like two rec tournaments and they smack people around both yeah. tournaments, then like come on. I'm
1: not up. sure exactly if it was his first or not, but he shot like he shot like the fifth or sixth best round of the entire tournament or something oh, geez. like that. The first day, t- yeah. Um, but it was a good time, and I think you know we're gonna keep it a tradition next year. uh Do it again, maybe the bogey bros want to make a little Vegas trip. Who knows? We can do a little foundation versus the nation out there. I think people would love that. But it's an awesome tournament out there at Sunset Park. If you've ever been to Vegas, it's a, it's a must-stop uh, location just because you never know what you're going to see out there. It's one of those places. That's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I'm good to be back home. Uh, we obviously have a lot of going, stuff going on. And so if you're listening, watching this now, you want to definitely make sure to go check out uh, Foundation, versus the, or sorry, Foundation Nation YouTube channel. Uh, we had a couple videos sprinkled on there we um, didn't really know what the channel was going to be
0: we so had no we idea. had some like vlogs on there, yeah, I think coverage went on there at one point. We just kind of messed around with it um. But now we now it has a home.
1: It has a spot. The first video should drop next Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, I think it's cool. on that, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. We're not going to tell you exactly what it is until the video drops. But I'm very excited for it. It should be fun. I think a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people really like it. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it, and I, I think w- the big thing is it's going to free us up as well to make a lot of content where right now we feel like we can't really make because we don't have a place to put it.
0: Yeah. Well, I also think that it's. It's content that will like re-energize us in a way. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that we're getting bored with what we're doing. We're not by any means. A lot of people keep commenting that they're like, every video we come out with, they're like, oh, so I see you've officially ran out of ideas. And I'm like, if you could see my idea wall.
1: You mean the squid games? People were saying that
0: about that? No, the squid games people didn't say that. But like Uh. uh, the disc golf operation, I thought it was one of our best ideas we've ever had. Mm. People were like, oh, I see you've clearly ran out of ideas.
1: Were you getting shocked in that video?
0: No, no, we messed up with that. I think that was we messed up with that. I think I saw this. We should have shocked them. We should have had a shock collar on her arm or something.
1: Something of where shock people want to see. Was the the was the noise made at least sometimes?
0: (laughs) Not every time. Okay, because that could be. If you watch the video, you'll understand why it was not every. time. You hit a lot of
1: trees. I'm guessing. One of us did. Uh, But the links for that will be in the description. Also, it's like the top comment, whatever. So Foundation Nation, check out that YouTube channel. Drop a subscribe so you got, and also turn on the notifications so you stay notified. At all times. Also, shout out, 13,000. I know we tried to, you know, we kind of pushed that a little bit last week, and we hit it already. So we're moving on up. 14's the next one. Let's go. You know what would be wild? If our subscribers on this channel matched the number of debate night podcasts. So last week we had... Oh, 13? Last last week it was episode 12, and we had like 12.8 or 7. Now it's episode 13. We're at 13.1. So we need to hit... 4. 900 before we get to 14. We need to get 900 subscribers by next week. So we hit 14 for episode 14.
0: Are we doing a giveaway at 15?
1: We're doing a giveaway at 15. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to add another disc. I think, oh. it's a, I think it's a Photon Zone. I'll probably throw Get Freaky on there. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So 15, we'll do a little giveaway action. All right. Let's um, get into some debates. But yeah, I think, I think the first thing I want to talk about is something that happened at the tournament. Okay. And again, this is, you know, this is, I already know what you're going to say. You're going to say we have bigger fish to fry, but sometimes the little fish need to be fried as well. All right, let's fry them. Okay. And this, you know, this... Make some fish sticks. This situation popped its uh, head up again with my two buddies that were playing in MA4 who, this was their first tournament. They get to hole 19. There was 19 holes. And the guys in their card... Come up to them and do like a, hey, great playing with you, man. It was awesome playing with you. Very, very awesome playing with you. Come up, you know, handshake, knuckles, whatever you want to call it, pound it. Yeah. And they're like, what the heck are we doing? What's going on? And I had to explain like, this is something that disc golf does. I don't know why. Um, just because
0: when it happened? Correct. So if it's like after, they, after you tap out on 18,
1: they're like, makes sense. Yeah, That's what they were. Yeah. They're, they're like, asking like, why the heck is this happening? They're like, we're not. Green. We're like, 18. we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're not done yet. And the guy's like, and one of the guys was like, oh, well, I do this like all, you know, I say this all the time. And he's like, no, he's like, no, you don't. I just played with you. You don't do this on every hole. Like, it's sometimes like where you can say like, hey, that was a great hole, great shot, whatever. And you, you know, move on. But it's one of those things for me that was very unique playing in tournaments because it almost kind of got me out of the element a little bit. If that makes sense of where you're playing, you're playing and playing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, good job. Good job. And it makes you feel like you're done, but you still have a whole hole to finish. Interesting. My big argument, and this is, this is all I can really argue with it. Cause again, like you said, it's not that big of a deal who really cares, but my big argument is why, why don't we just do it at the end?
0: I would like to hear the reasoning.
1: Like what is the reasoning of doing it before hole 19? And if the reasoning is we've just always done it this way, that's where I'm just like, I'm, because to me there's situations that could arise to where uh, one person potentially could look really bad, right? So there could be a situation where um, someone just triple bogeyed a hole. To like lose the tournament. And like lost the tournament. And you're literally coming up to him and be like, hey man, it was great playing with you.
0: I guess you're like, we, this is a perfect scenario and it's like right? i still have one more hole left a whole usdgc yeah hole 17 johnny mccray mm-hmm. go back to it throws ob like three times mm-hmm. on 17 walks up to 18 and then he has to face paul and will who at that time were in prime position and now beat him because he just blew up and say great playing with you yeah good match whatever before the match was over, uh something i've never ever thought about um to answer the question as to why disc golf does it on the green tee of eighteen versus the green, no clue.
1: I just no think clue. I just think it's easier. It's just easier when the round's completely done. The last person finally taps out. Take your hat off and you just go up to each person. Silas, great playing with you, buddy. Hunter, great playing with you. Good luck the rest of the way. Great playing with you. And then we just walk off. It takes maybe five seconds, six seconds for everyone just to give the handshake right there. We walk off. We do scores and then we piece.
0: Yeah, so you're just saying like why are we doing it on the T like you're the, not before doing, the round's over instead of on the green when the round's over.
1: Yeah, there's no I mean the reasoning that some people that's interesting. the reasoning that I've seen some people say is like, oh, because like when the round's over we leave. And it's like, well, you can literally just handshake
0: That is an then, interesting question and then do scores. I would like something to I, think about. I I, I, I want to know where it started. That's what I want to hear someone call in that who knows the Either the knows beginning. where it started or has at least an argument as to why we do it the way we do it. Cause I'm gonna. One thing I'll say, I've never thought it was weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Just like the first tournament, it just casual, casual play or like amateur level. It's not that big of a deal. My first tournament was rec. Yes, you slowly kind of get worked into it. So I just always have done it. Yes, but I've just never thought of it. I don't know. Yeah, to me, that's
1: that's the only thing. Is I think again, I think on the rec level and all that stuff, I don't think it's a big issue. But I could see how like on the pro level, some people being like you know, they're just like focused in and locked in and like they don't want to break that before they have to throw their next shot or they just literally lost their tournament and now you're coming up to them and telling you, hey man, it was great playing with you and they still have to play one more hole. It's easier to swallow, I think, that you lost the tournament once the tournament's over than when you still are like in the middle, you're still in the tournament, so um because i will say the one thing you brought this you brought this question
0: up earlier and i was trying to think through like why why did that tradition start right like because some traditions like they don't have to make sense but it's like that's the best way to do it so we're not going to do it a different way this one there's clearly a better way which is after the rounds over so Mm -hmm. like why did we start it my initial thought was maybe like with shotgun starts you got to get off the course because most tournaments back in the day and even right now local tournaments are shotgun start but shotgun start which is where i've played most of my tournaments you're the only person on that hole. Yeah. If you finish on hole 10, no one no else one is finishing else on 10. Hole 10. So you stand by the basket of 10 and you're literally counting your scores up back in the day on paper scorecard. Obviously, things have changed now with digital scorecard. But back in the day, you're counting it up and you're all standing next to each other for like five minutes. Yeah. So why didn't we do it? I don't know. It's, yeah. The only thing that makes sense is like tea time-wise, or if it's tea time situation, you're trying to get off of the 18th green and it's like, cause it's a par three and people have to wait for you but, to clear but off. The but problem but is
1: it literally takes five seconds to give everyone a hand.
0: I'm just, I'm trying to come up with the yeah. this, why I would love to,
1: that way. Yeah. I would love to know about it for sure. I would love to know and see what happens. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the contract situation here. Yeah. So we had over the past week, two large, massive contracts, one in the MPO and one in the FPO announced. Um and so obviously we can take this a bunch of different ways. uh, About should contracts be public? Um, How how should they be announced? What information should be out there? Uh, But for those that are are out of the loop, you have uh, Kristen Tatar first Mm -hmm. signing a four year deal, half million. Mm -hmm. Um, so two hundred and fifty or no, sorry, one hundred twenty five, right? One hundred twenty five thousand a year, yeah, a year with latitude yes and then you have drew gibson signing do you do you have the post that you can read it exactly because the word i don't want to get the i'll wording. pull
0: up drew's post first yeah i don't want to um, get the wording wrong. we talked about drew's deal last week a little bit yeah because um, we were
1: still kind of like we didn't really know no, but more details, if, more details more
0: details will out yeah
1: nick and matt show last All right, night so i'll on. read the drew gibson
0: yep. post first then i'll read okay. the Kristen tar post um so, Drew Gibson said, on this date, October 19th, 2021, I signed my first multi-million dollar disc golf contract. Uh, that's what we talked about some last week. A lot mm-hmm. more details have come out with that. And then on Latitude 64's Instagram page, I posted a picture of, I believe, the CEO um, and Kristen Tatar. It said, great news, Latitude 64 and Kristen Tatar have signed a four-year deal. This deal is worth half a million dollars to make Kristen Tatar one of the best paid disc golfers in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's a huge. I mean, that's, a, that's me. a huge. That's
1: a huge deal. When I saw that, I was like, "Man, dang." Now here's here's my
0: question, from both. Now, Drew, we know a lot more details about. Yep. Kristen's. We'll start with Kristen's. Mm-hmm. Says this deal is worth half a million dollars. Okay. It that's doesn't say wording. this deal is guaranteed half a million dollars. Interesting wording. So here's I'm gonna pose this uh, question to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're gonna debate about this or if you're gonna agree. Paul announced 10 year 10 million dollar guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. Okay? That was announced. I think that started this thing of like we need to announce players contracts,
1: right? Then it definitely put I think it definitely I would say it definitely put pressure on other manufacturers to actually like step up and say what they're pay- paying their players because everyone was like holy cow, Discraft yeah. is paying the crap you know, to Paul, yeah, what is everyone else is getting? so yeah. I think it definitely put pressure on it which so is then
0: cool. you have Chris and the Tatar sign this seemingly massive deal, right? four mm-hmm. years five hundred mm-hmm.
2: thousand
0: could that be guaranteed? Sure, I feel like they would have said guaranteed if it was guaranteed.
1: yeah, the worth I think is 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 leading so, you to believe that it it could potentially be worth so that's the biggest million.
0: question is like if you, it kind of looks misleading to me, right? If I mm-hmm. say four years five hundred thousand dollars, it's worth that. Mm-hmm. is that saying if she wins worlds all four years, her bonuses could make five hundred thousand, and she's getting fifty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Or is it saying she's getting eighty thousand dollars a year with the potential of bonuses to get up to one hundred twenty five? Is it basing it on royalties and estimated disc sales?
1: Yeah, I don't have I don't have that much of an issue with how they worded it, um, especially because I believe on the FPO side of things right now, one of the I mean obviously it's happening on both sides, MPO and FPO, but I think definitely more on the FPO side is one of the reasons there is a lack of FPO players right now is because that I don't think the money is necessarily broadcast out as much. So when parents are looking at things to put their, their, their kids into sports or whatever, or even high school college age people are looking into, you know, where they want to go with their careers it's probably not as broadcast out as much as like playing disc golf can be a career. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have that much of an issue with hers. Well, that was really the, she's really the first, as as far as I'm, I know, she's really the first female to come out with a like uh, number, number, with a number, number that's hefty yeah. to where it will catch people's eyes being like, holy cow, you can make six figures a year. playing. Well, disc my golf? question
0: is, is for instance, the drew Gibson example is a much better example than the, kristin's guitar but they're both similar and mm-hmm. that the number portrayed might not be accurate yeah so is that gonna long because i like the idea of contracts being public right now because it puts pressure on companies to not underpay players yes but if contracts are public in this way
1: of where i don't think you can do is it I don't is think it gonna can-
0: end up hurting other companies to where it's like a player misunderstands it and says hey Kristen's getting one hundred twenty-five thousand 000 guaranteed a year why are you promising me fifty, yeah, when Kristen might only be getting fifty and then have all these incentives to get her up to one twenty five yeah
1: because there could be something like if you win worlds, we'll give you twenty five thousand yeah if you, you be... tur- if you win the if you win the turtle ch- Tour championship we'll give you another twenty five thousand so you have all these th- things set in place so where, where it's where, worth five hundred per- yeah performance based. you win a major whatever whatever, so it could potentially be worth that much um but a lot of it is performance based, or it could also be disc sale based, right? Where it's like every 5,000 discs you sell, you reach another milestone and we get whatever, whatever, right? So what you're saying is true. I think it could potentially backfire for some people because if they look at that as straight up, just like, oh wow, she's getting 125 a year. Like I at least should be getting 70 well, they could go into negotiations and and kind of screw themselves out of a, a potential contract with someone because they're going in too high yeah um, so yeah I mean there's a lot of things with it I mean I think you got to be smart about it and, and right now I think what a lot of players are trying to do is they're trying to get a better idea of the landscape of how much value they bring to a company mm-hmm. you know and I think, I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is coming up with something that you are comfortable with and then going out and trying to find someone that matches that. And if they want to give you more than that, fantastic. Um, But that's where I think it can get kind of fishy a little bit is if someone comes out and says, Hey, I just, I just signed um, a $7 million deal. And people don't realize that I signed like a 40 year $7 million deal to where it's like not that you know, it's like less than what an average income in the United States is, you know? Yeah. If I don't like word it that way, that can be misleading to a lot of people. So I think that's kind of, um, someone did just say that there was, uh, there was an article that says that it was guaranteed 500 so That's what I'm
0: saying is Kristen's, there's not enough information out yet to know. Yeah. Drew's, there isn't enough information out to know his isn't guaranteed. Yeah. With the, the, his agent was on the Nick and Matt show and on the It also Monday. doesn't
1: sound like an athlete's, like an actual athlete's contract.
0: Uh, straight up, what it sounds like is that he's starting a new business venture. Yeah. And he signed a contract for that business venture to be fulfilled through Infinite Discs website. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that this business could make millions of dollars. Yes. Which every business that starts could make millions of dollars. Mm hmm. I don't understand the what I, I guess it's just to get people like us talking about it because that side's working, mm-hmm. but it is very, misleading. I don't,
1: I would say, I don't think, I think Kristen's contract really helps the FPO side yes. a lot. I don't believe Drew's post and announcement helps the MPO side.
0: No, I don't, I don't understand. I'm still confused by it. I don't, I don't
1: understand it at all.
0: Because from what I understand is there's basically a... Maybe Drew will call
1: in tonight and explain Maybe, because from what I
0: understand <laughs> is he signed a one-year player contract with Infinite Discs that's not been disclosed what that salary is. Mm-hmm. That was never disclosed. The multi-million dollar deal was Gibson Industries. Basically, he's starting his own disc offline that will be fulfilled through Infinite Discs, um, manufactured by an unknown third party. Um, and from what basically they're saying, and this is from his agent's mouth, is basically our stats and analytics guy says there's no way this isn't worth millions. Mm. So basically saying like there's no way he's not gonna sell millions of dollars worth of discs. Mm-hmm. That could be very true. But you also can't say there's no way because you haven't sold a disc yet. So like you you don't know until the first year's under your belt. And yeah. even if you do if you clear a million dollars in sales, that's you're not pocketing a million dollars. Yeah. You might have to hit honestly you might have to hit ten million to pocket a million, depending on profit margins and how all that all goes. Um, because there's so many middlemen in this. So just coming out and saying, I signed my first multi-million dollar disc golf contract mm-hmm. makes it sound like there's a lot more guaranteed money when in actuality, the way it could have been announced is super excited to announce I'm launching this new business.
1: Yeah. No, I mean...
0: Because I'm going to just start saying I signed a multi-million <laughs> dollar disc golf contract with Foundation a few years ago.
1: I think, I to me, it, 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 it sounded very similar to some of the emails I get, which I immediately delete when they say Whenever I see an email that, tries to pose this scenario for me, it's just an an absolute delete for me. And it's essentially the idea of like, Hey, you have over 2 million followers. If you join this, whatever program that we have or app or whatever, and you get 10% of your followers to join this, you will start making $20,000 a year. And it's like, they basically just throw this number out saying like, there's like, there's no way you're not going to get ten percent. Yeah, need your 10%. conversion rate only has to be ten. Yeah, only ten percent. It's so easy, and it's like, first off, it's not that easy. Um, and also, those deals like that are just, you know, they're they're kind of just sucker deals in the sense of the social media realm. I'm not saying Drew's Drew's deal is a sucker. No, Drew, deal. that's what I'm
0: saying is Drew's deal. If he would have announced it as I'm launching this new business, yeah, there's no negative energy around it. But it's I think like, it just yeah. a, it,
1: it added a lot of more questions than answers. Yeah, exactly. And so... Yeah, you know, who knows? We'll see. We'll I like see how this, ends person,
0: up. this person commented and said, I handle finances for a multi billion dollar company and then put in parentheses McDonald's cashier.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Like, that's, that's that, essentially not oh saying it's that. Oh, my gosh. Is that Trevor? That sounds like Trevor. But that's or something just like Trevor a, would say. It's
0: kind of just like a spin zone. Yeah. Of like, this will generate hype. Off. And his agent also admitted to that. He's like, obviously, the reason we said it was basically because we knew it would get people talking.
1: I love that. But I'm just that's saying,
0: funny. like, that. If I'm a player <laughs> and I didn't look into it farther and I'm I'm Calvin Heinberg, okay? Oh and I'm like, gosh. I'm beating Drew, you know, week in and week mm-hmm. out. I'm worth multi-million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that very well might be true for Calvin Heinberg, Not saying that's not true. But it starts to put, like, let's say it's someone who's battling with Drew, Adam Hammes, week in and week out. Mm-hmm. I'm worth a multi-million dollar contract because I read Drew's post and I didn't do the research behind it to see what he actually meant by that post. Yeah, That could hurt the player, in the field because people think that their competitors are getting more than they're actually getting. So announcing numbers when you're not being transparent, I think hurts it. Announcing numbers when you're transparent helps it. Yeah. No, makes I, sense. I,
1: I definitely agree. And I think it will be interesting this off season. I know there are a, a couple players um, that are kind of on the, uh, is it the waiver wire? I don't think it's the waiver wire. That's not the right terminology. Free agency. Do we yeah. call it that? I mean, I don't really think it's because you're yeah, not contracts really contracts are up. Yeah, you're just they're not. They're going to be un. Contracts are running out. They're going to be unsigned to a major manufacturer sponsor. So it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, what deals go down, who who talks about their deals and all that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah,
0: I do think it's going to be very interesting. The more we hear, because I, I I
1: people love that stuff. I too. hope people love. That I
0: really stuff. do hope that Kristen's. Contract is guaranteed. There I was just a don't lot of lat- Unless Latitude.
1: There was a lot of people. A lot of people were saying it was. Like multiple people.
0: Well, but okay. I i, I saw someone said it was from YouTube comments article. are never wrong. Well, I saw someone say now. it was from an UltiWorld article. UltiWorld's article also said Drew Gibson's deal guarantees him millions. <laughs> yeah
1: when, yeah that's From Star everything I've heard, that's his deal Wars. doesn't, though. Well, if he stays alive for 50 years, he will get millions.
0: But it doesn't. when you're starting a business, nothing's <laughs> guaranteed. I think it's like 80% of small businesses fail within the first five years. Is it really? It's something crazy like
1: that. Silas, do you have a backup plan? <laughs> there, we're, what year are we in right now? We're like we're two year, and a half, we're like Silas. A year, three
0: and a half or something. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. i not you saying, might need a backup plan here, bud. Drew's situation, he's set up for success. You know what yeah. I mean? His, you can look at the Penrose and EV7. A lot of that was, part of it was because like there's a lot of curiosity about what the heck is this putter going to do but a lot of it also was drew's tie to the brand and they mm-hmm. sold thousands and thousands and thousands of pen roses and fives for sure. It's all points to his brand is going to be successful, mm-hmm. but I just don't like the idea of you starting a business and you're calling it signing a multi million dollar contract. That just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah. I don't know. You know, dark horse tactics, tactics, I guess, but I love it. I think it'd be sweet too. If we could, uh, if we could somehow get, like, a camera in some of these negotiation deals, that would be phenomenal we content. We need, like, a... Phenomenal content.
0: We need someone...
1: On the inside.
0: Like, a, we need, like, Gary V, who's just, like, vlogging everything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Okay. Because, like, if you, like...
1: Wait, what is he going to do?
0: No, no, no. Not him specifically. But someone who's, like, on the, like, agency side, and they're just doing, like, daily vlogs. So you see, like, what are these agents doing day to day? And then you see, like, their negotiations. With disc
1: off? Mm-hmm. Who's doing that?
0: I don't, I'm saying that's what we need. It'd be sick.
1: I don't. I don't. I don't know.
3: Like, yeah. think of how much you can learn
0: about different industries by watching Gary Vee and like what he's doing and talking, who he's talking to, what he's saying while he's talking.
1: I mean, I don't know if there will ever be like a specific disc golf agent. No, There's but not enough players. That but are he getting big Gary enough.
0: V has a sports agency, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So you can watch certain parts of his vlog and stuff. You can oh. get a good feel of like how the agency okay. works, the inner workings. I'm saying if like gotcha doesn't have this to be disc golf, golf related. If this, I'm saying if the disc golf pro management, mm-hmm. had like a weekly vlog, and you'd part watch, of it is you'd like watch it. yeah, and part of it okay. they like have the conversations and they bleep out numbers, but you can hear them like talking and how they're mm. negotiating and stuff. Like that'd be mm. fascinating. I love. I'm a sucker for business vlogs.
1: People are saying Yuli just signed a $1 million contract.
0: I mean, I don't know when that happened. Yeah. I did did see, that just happen? I did see Yuli and Drew Gibson's contract announcement saying, so can you spot me for lunch? Which I thought was a funny comment. That's a great comment. Um, but I'll, I mean, I'll go. Yeah, I'll did Yuli
1: go, just post something about a million dollar contract? I
0: don't know. See, no, Yuli said, can I borrow 20 bucks? And then put like the praise hand emojis on Drew's thing. But with, did he did he post something just I now. I'm, clicking, I'm clicking on it right now. Uh, last post was four days ago. Okay, it says, "I see you. You're not that All guy. Right. People I'm are, the guy." People are joking, trolling. You just need someone to spill the tea.
1: Yeah, on the inside,
0: I'll spill the hot chocolate.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's it is one of those things that is interesting though because it's not commonplace. Um, uh, it's weird for for disc golf, golf, kind of these individual sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not signed to a team. Right, so when you have like your actual team contracts of like, okay, you're signed to this NFL team. This it's like baseball public information. Team. Yeah, you can see because of salary caps, all that stuff, you can see how much money they're make could make their guarantees, all that stuff. Right, you can see that the bonus is, is normally hidden. Normally, the, the that stuff you normally don't see, but then all the other stuff that comes with it, like we have no idea how much Steph Curry's making with Under Armour. No, we have no idea how much. Uh, I don't know. John Rom is making with Travis Matthew, like the actual sponsorships that they get in their sport. Well, that's the weird part. We right? don't know, but like golf only has sponsorships, yeah. so that's why people view people are disc golf as a team.
0: Exactly. That's why it's like we call it team discraft, team dynamic discs. Yeah. When real in reality, there's just endorsement deals or sponsorship Correct. deals. Yeah. Where like. Discrafts like, hey, we're gonna pay you X amount mm. plus bonuses for you to throw our discs, and if they want to release that number, they can. Mm-hmm. But there's no, they don't have any. There's no precedent that yeah. that's a number that needs. We to don't. Be... We as the public and media have no right to know that number mm-hmm. unless the company chooses to tell us that number because that's just like a private deal. Like it'd be like the same as like releasing salary numbers.
1: You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, for like for like personal jobs. Yeah, like like I'm an accountant. There's no re- like. Yeah. There's no reason. There's I no need reason to tell that like people that I make well, 150,000 dollars well, like, a Deer year. Like
0: Deer Park, you have Deer Park water. Imagine if Deer Park was brand. just like not a brand, not no. a sponsor, not a sponsor. Well, let's say the Deer Park. We have no sponsors this week. No. no Deer Park, hit us up. Let's say the Deer Park was like huge deal. We just signed our new accountant to a hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, four year contract. <laughs> yeah, that would never happen. That makes no. no sense.
1: Yeah. Well, also people don't care about that. I you mean, have to I think would, about that too. No one cares. People people care about how much disc golfers care. and athletes and stuff. You would be paying attention to all that stuff all across
0: the board. I, I'd find it interesting at least.
1: You wouldn't spend more than five seconds on. Oh,
0: I I highly disagree. You
1: would want to know how much like a local Krispy Kreme manager. You
0: I, wouldn't. No, I could see myself. What if someone was like popping out? off? They're making like no, no, six no, no, no. figures managing Krispy Kreme oh, down the street. Okay,
1: like, I could see what? I could see myself reading some like BuzzFeed article that's like you would never believe these jobs make six figures. Like I could see myself doing that, but I'm not like every week going to be checking in on like, um, what does a Boeing engineer make? Like, what is a? Like, I think I've searched that exact thing. I've done I'm not it. I'm not even lying. No, I've done it randomly, but I'm saying it's not something that I'm like paying attention to. It's just like, it'll pop in my head and be like, how much can you make at Walmart? And then I'll just like ask it. And then Google understand. gives me a good answer. I don't I, know. I think it'd be an interesting stat.
0: Yeah, it would be
1: it's just not something that people are going to be like people are going to be on the edge of their seat being like they're not gonna be oh my like, god oh, they're, announcing, they're announcing this Friday their, oh, Silas's, their new CFA. Silas's Silas'
0: contracts up as the warehouse guy at Foundation no, I, think see what he re-signs would, for. I think
1: people would be interested in that and I think we may have to film some, some contract negotiation. negotiations we might have to film some contract okay.
0: negotiations all of that's out the window Trevor might
1: Trevor might hold out <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see how Trevor's it goes. Like, I got. I got to hear the other offers. I yeah, he's got. He's got to gotta, he's gotta play the field. So, all right, we're gonna take calls now. Um, I'll if you want, to calls. yeah, we go with calls. I don't got anything else. I mean, nothing so, really yeah. else happened. You Love know, it. I played. Uh, I played three hands of blackjack, lost all three. We played two uh, rounds of roulette. What's the proper way of saying that? We did sure. two spins at roulette. Lost both of those. And then we went to bingo for an hour and I lost every single one. So, you know, my Vegas situation was not good. I mean, I came out winning money, which is good. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. When you leave Vegas with cash in your wallet, you did okay. It just was unfortunate that I didn't win a single thing in the casino.
0: Bingo is interesting. I never the thought bingo, about playing bingo, bingo for money.
1: Bingo is the place to go. If you want a good time because we were there for good an time, hour. And, sure. still had, and also hot chocolate that you have right there free
0: well this is made drink. at home so
1: so it wasn't free so you had to pay for it
0: paid very little for this okay but you still pay for it's it it's like a gram. We, no, we got a call hello hello.
4: <laughs> hello
1: how are you doing tonight
4: i'm doing great i never thought i was gonna get on Yeah, hey, uh, you
1: made it welcome
4: so i have like it's kind of like a debate depending on what side of the coin you fall on but like how married to youtube streaming with the pro tour are you guys
1: uh you mean like having it on youtube and not like another platform
4: yeah like what's stopping them from going to twitch
1: i think twitch is twitch is an interesting one twitch is a very unique um twitch is a very unique platform in the sense that there is no life after the stream if that makes sense so if you go and you look at some of the biggest streamers, they'll have clips and they'll have like their old broadcasts on there and no one's really watching those. Uh in in comparison to the people that are watching it live, where YouTube actually has a lot of life after broadcast. Also on YouTube, you can create non-live content. So the Disc Golf Pro Tour can really build a solid solid um you know, content base On YouTube.
0: Well, the other thing that I think would be interesting is Twitch. If you go to a certain level, don't they have uh, like restrictions on where you can and can't live stream? You would end up
1: only being able to live stream on Twitch, which I think is something that you probably don't want to get into.
0: Yeah, if I'm the pro tour, then like would that factor into my disc Disc golf golf network? network. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So,
5: right.
4: Um, Have you guys ever watched like the Overwatch League on Twitch ever? I've watched Um, Rocket League.
1: Yeah, I might have passed through it once or twice
4: okay. so like blizzard and activision billion dollar company mm-hmm. they were able to put out uh i forget what it was called but it was like a special viewer you would pay extra 20 dollars mm-hmm. on. T- like it was free to watch but if you wanted the good stuff you pay 20 bucks and you could watch any camera you wanted so you could watch one player that's if you cool you really wanted to study that player you can watch and i don't know if the capability on youtube has that well they but definitely but have the I, capability have- of
1: doing that on the disc golf network and that's something that we might see in the future of where, um, instead of you know, let's say they end up you know having three cards, right? You know they have the lead card, chase card, yeah. and the second uh, second chase card, and you really really want to watch someone on the second chase card. I could see them in the future just having um, a stream specifically for that, no commentators, of where all you're seeing yeah. is the second chase card. I could totally see that in the future. So they could do that on the disc golf network like, for sure.
4: Okay. Yeah. They, I don't know you guys clearly are way more connected than i am but push that because i will gladly pay money for that
1: i love that all right appreciate you calling in brother
4: all right thanks guys
1: have a good one yeah i think it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how they go about that because uh that is something as far as like a pay-per-view goes that is an option that they can give people that brings a lot of value of oh your favorite player is on the chase card and all you care about is watching them you can keep just the chase cards. yeah instead of like them you know you see them about to go and tee off and but then they cut it to the lead card you can just stay there i think that would bring a lot of value all right who we got next
6: hey this hello is jeremy from clearwater minnesota calling
1: what's up jeremy
6: um, I just, so what i think is for disc golfers to become like financially successful what they should be focusing on is like a YouTube channel and really high-quality edits. Like, basically, you know, I'm really influenced by you guys because I watch your show a lot. It's a really good quality show. And so, you know, I'll buy a bunch of Brody zones, and I throw them, and I like it because, you know, I think about Brody, and I think about disc golf, and it's all related to each other. So it's a lot about watch time on YouTube. And, like, the more hooked you can get someone on your channel, I think, guys would be more successful on their youtube channel basically
1: yeah i mean i I never think i I don't think social media is ever a bad idea uh for any athlete to try to be able to connect with their fans more it just comes down to time you know it, it doing youtube does take a lot of time and also potentially like you know you might not have the resources to be able to film and or have someone film you or have someone edit so that's even more time for you to do and then also at the end of the day too it's it is a tricky balance between you know doing too much social media and not enough actual practice so yeah i mean and, and at the end of the day too some people just don't like it i know um i've talked to some pros about doing youtube And they're like, honestly, I just, I'm not a fan of being in front of the camera and doing it. So you'll see those people post on Twitter or maybe on Instagram and and not necessarily on YouTube, just because that style of content doesn't really fit them. So I I don't think it should be forced, but if it does come natural or if it's something that's easy for you, um, then yeah, I I definitely don't see it as being a bad thing.
5: Right on. Appreciate you. Yeah. Heck
1: yeah, man. Thanks for calling in. All right, who else we got? <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, so,
0: oh <laughs> you geez. thought you thought Silas My faked bad. you out there? Wow,
1: Silas, fake out Silas mode. Faked you out. Fake out mode. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think c- it's it's very it's very obvious obvious when you see someone doing YouTube simply because they want it for the money, money the fame or something. or something, and they're not really they don't really love making the content.
6: All right, we got another caller. Hello, hello. Hello, uh, Adam, Charleston, South Carolina. What's up, Adam? Uh, so, <laughs> I'm kind of a I'm kind of a joker when it comes to playing disc golf. So I throw an end of a dragon, <laughs> which is probably the silliest disc. There's ever nothing
0: wrong with year. the dragon. I love that disc. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, I throw a lot of uh, rollers, and I'll put it straight up and down, and it'll just turn over into a uh, a big Anheuser shot um so what my uh, question is is all right so brody uh you guys uh call each other uh, janice a lot right mm-hmm. okay so do you think that discraft will be able to come up with a kind of a joke disc and i, I would love to see uh <laughs> you and your wife uh, play around with just that one disc
1: Oh, like an actual. So I don't know what the dragon is. Is it the like
0: dragon's a- main intention? Is it floats on water. Oh. It has a hollow, <laughs> hollow rim. Oh, okay. So like, so, you, like a dip disc... it out on water shots and it's it's kind of like you probably wouldn't have heard of Wahoo either. But it's just a disc that you can just rip over water shots with no care in the world because it's just gonna float over to the
1: next gotcha. Okay, so kind of like almost one of those like uh things that you'd see like at the beach or something, kind of like almost like not a gag gift, but like I mean it's a real you... disc. It's like it's, nine, a... it's
6: eight speed. No, yeah, some... no, it's definitely a gag gift. <laughs> but something you would
1: throw like in the park and just have a fun time with. You're not you're not busting that out in like a real tournament
6: uh, absolutely not well I mean I've done it a few Hunter, times Hunter but, uh, looked like would actually I, throw I, I this thing. I've, done,
0: I've, th- I've thrown it in tournaments oh really when I was first it, playing it, I was it, terrified of water and I carried a dragon in my bag to throw over water it's, it's, yeah, I, think, I remember uh, it at uh, I, I, Brian Park in Richmond. There's a water hole and I was terrified of it. I put it straight in the middle of the water and it just floated to the other side and I was able to get it back. I was like, this is the greatest, <laughs> greatest disc ever made. Oh
1: my gosh.
6: Okay. Well, I think, uh, I think, I think Yuli has a disc, uh, at least from one of the videos I've uh, The flippy seen one? That, yeah, the super flippy one. Uh, mm-hmm. that's basically what a dragonfly is like.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think, you know, is there a disc right now that like straight off the shelf disc graph makes like that? Probably not. But there's definitely like some you know super lightweight understable discs that we can beat up a little you get like bit,
6: like a a D line heat.
1: Yeah, and beat it up. Well, a little I'd, good.
6: I'd, I'd love to see a, a disc craft Janus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. Appreciate you calling in, though. Absolutely. All right. Have a great one.
6: All right. You too. I mean, the Janus.
1: I'm just the gonna Janus. Throw this out there. The Janus is a great name for a disc. I'm just
0: gonna throw this out there that based on the re- the response from uh, the Janice stamp. I think if crowd came out with a Janus disc, the world might break. I'm just I gonna think, say
1: that. I, we might have a lot more callers calling
0: in That's angry. true, that's true. Maybe that's what the show needs. The maybe, show maybe. needs the Janus disc. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah,
1: there's a lot of people. It's interesting. There's a lot of people that are really upset about stuff like on social media, but then they don't call in and then they say that we are screening their calls. Is to anyone fair, calling probably, right now? To like, be fair, people no might be trying right now, to but call. There's, but there's no one calling right now. Right now, no.
0: But there I have seen screenshots where people have called 60 times in one episode and not gotten through.
1: Well, I think this episode's like a little easier because you know it's a little bit more of a mild episode. The season's kind maybe. of coming to an end. So I think this is the one that you can definitely call in. Do we have a call? Or maybe you don't.
0: No. I thought Silas I thought Silas answered someone.
1: What you think about dedicated disc golf driving ranges? uh fantastic if we couldn't have them the hardest part is like you gotta go pick the discs up that's yeah you gotta have to, there has to be some sort and of like each mold flies different wait, what if oh my god what if the driving range was filled with backwards moving uh walkways
0: that's what, so i was about to say my only idea i've ever had that would work but it's gonna cost so much is it's just an at the whole driving range is a backwards treadmill
1: Yes, that you throw, you chuck it, and then it comes and it back. Just comes back to you. Oh my gosh, how much would that cost? Travis? I don't want to know. Or you could have like a funnel,
0: like my like my putting return so basket. You just idea. need
1: a little, yeah. You just need a little. Strip. You just need a conveyor belt. Yeah, you see a little strip, a bunch and then, of rolly and things, then a funnel, so it just rolls down and then funnels back.
0: Someone said they have disc golf driving ranges in Finland. I gotta get to Finland.
1: Yeah, what are we doing? R- uh, R- I'm rolly. getting
0: voicemails left and right. No one's co- no one's calling on the. It's not popping up. I've gotten like 10 voicemails, 11 voicemails.
1: 31 attempts and the Google subscriber I've called is still unavailable, says Josh. I think we might have a situation going on with the live calls. Should so I just re- play a voicemail? Uh, Sure. Do you think someone actually said something? They might see. just say hello. Yeah, the soccer field is a good option. Like football fields, all those things are good option for field work and stuff. But having... like. Going to a driving range for golf is so much better because you just hit the ball. You see how it flies and where it lands, and then you're done. we got one. Hello, hello. Hello there. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing well.
1: Who we got calling tonight?
3: Uh, My name's Noah. I'm from Orlando.
1: No, it's good, brother.
3: It's going well. I just wanted to call in. They posted the schedule for next year, Mm -hmm. and I think it's stupid that they are playing the dynamic discs open with all the best pros in the world and then also playing the world championship. Very um, weird. I think it's just really weird. I yeah. I want to hear your guys.
1: take. I, I agree with you. We'll see what, if Hunter agrees or not Hunter thoughts.
0: I think until worlds has its own course, no. there's not another option.
1: No, I think worlds is a, I think a is a rotating tournament. I think, yeah, I don't but, think worlds is going to be a course. I don't, so you're to saying me, if Worlds
0: is happening at Emporia, then Glassbone Open or DDO can't happen here. Correct. correct. Exactly, yeah.
1: Correct. You have Worlds. That's tough. Yeah, that's what I think. How's that tough?
0: The, the tough part is where disc golf is right now, DDO, for instance, mm-hmm. is a massive moneymaker for dynamic discs because it's such a draw for the AM side. Question. Same thing.
1: Question. Will they make more money having Worlds or DDO?
0: Realistically, mm-hmm. Dynamic discs will probably profit more off of DDO.
1: They're not running worlds. Um, why like, they're can't not, they
3: do AMs? There's am, no AMs at worlds. World. you don't profit why off of the pros. Like man. an AM tournament.
1: Oh, you're saying all the yeah? They could still run the AM tournament. You don't think AMs would show up though if there was no pros?
0: I think it's a big draw of it. Is it's, the pros. Just, it's a big weekend. You're gonna go to the, mm. the Swedish bonfire, I think they call it, and Eagle's gonna be there putting and Ricky's gonna be walking up and down the street. But
1: you see our side of it, of where I it's, do. it's awkward, where I it's do. like
0: that's where I think that
1: DDO is like, oh, well, the, a couple weeks from now, they're gonna be back here playing for a world championship. Like, that's kind of an awkward situation. No, I, I,
0: it is, but I don't know the solution because I don't like the I, I, mean, I the, don't think disc golf's at a spot. Like, where you can take away these events year after year? Because, like, in golf, is there ever a major that goes to a course that's also on tour, ever?
1: Uh, Yeah, but I'm trying to think how it works. Like, Pebble Beach is the easiest one, but they have the... Uh, uh, that's a great question. So, Masters stays where it is. Mm-hmm. British Open, or the Open, is over there. Then you've got the PGA and the US Open. Those bounce around. Like Pinehurst, yeah, there's no, I don't think there's a tour event at Pinehurst or like Bethpage Black, there's not a tour event. And Pebble Beach is the only one I can think of that actually has, I think it's the AT&T.
0: So then on the year that Pebble Beach is
1: US Open, do they play both?
0: Yeah, that's the question. When's the last time that happened?
1: I think they might. I think it happened decent recently. Yeah, I don't know.
0: So that was at 2019. But that's so. a great
1: question, man. That's a great question. I think people are, haven't really been thinking about that. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to kind of see uh, you know, are we playing exactly the same courses? Like, well, obviously we're playing the same courses, but is, are the layouts gonna be exactly the same or are they gonna do DDO and then they're gonna juice it up even more for worlds? It's gonna be interesting to see how that all works out.
3: Yeah, I hope they don't just add another round. I hope they like do something with it, and it's not just like a five round DDO.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I agree because it, it it will take a little yeah. bit. I think a little bit of the sting out of the actual course. So, yeah, all right, I agree. Hey, we well, appreciate you calling you so in, much brother. Thank you for taking my call. Heck yeah, man.
3: It. I want to say one last thing yeah. before I hang up. I think every course should have an island hole on 16, 17, or eighteen mm. that has like a horrible drop zone. Because it just makes the sport so much more fun.
1: Ooh. At least
3: every course on like the Pro Tour. Interesting. Um, just like Idlewild, GDL, uh, United States Golf Championships, like they all have it, and I think it makes it great.
1: Yeah, just something that something that so, really rewards a good call. shot and uh, bad shots. I like it. All right, appreciate you calling in, brother.
0: So the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. Yeah, PGA
1: Tour. It's not like. It's a PGA event, but it's not really a. PGA but is that event. the event that's at Pebble Beach? Yes.
0: So that that is the event. So that happened the same year as the U.S. Open happened at there at Pebble Beach. They mm-hmm. both happened in 2019. Yeah, the I didn't Pro-Am's, know when it read pro am. If it was like yeah, if that the pro am is a
1: little bit interesting because I believe they still have the tournament, but they have the amateurs come out. That's where like all the celebrities come out and play. I think and the stuff.
0: tough part is like Beth Page Black. Uh, what was the other course you mentioned that's not on Pinehurst. tour? Pinehurst? Those are both good enough to host a major, but they're not on tour. Mm-hmm. Disc golf doesn't have enough courses, courses that like are. That good enough to host a major that aren't on tour
1: how how close together are they are the two how close together is ddo time-wise like timeline-wise how close oh is DDO oh to oh the world? disc golf okay Let me are go you talking two. like a month two months what's the situation
0: i want to say april and like august but they just reposted this no oh, so that's like three, um three months from now DDO, Dynamic Discs Open, is April 28th to May 1st. Worlds is August 30th to September 3rd.
1: So, was that three months? Yeah, just about. Okay. So, that, I mean, at least there's some time in between for you to breathe a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events in between mm. the two.
1: Okay. I see what he's saying, though.
0: I see. I understand that. I'm just saying of I don't where, think like, disc golf's there yet.
1: Where, like, next year it's like, okay, Worlds is at Idlewild. And then, okay, next year it's at Ledgestone. And then next year it's at, you know, where, you know, I will say the, the Utah worlds this year was unique in the fact that a lot of people were seeing it for the first time, or at least like, it's not a turn. It's not a course that you're seeing every single year. Yeah. So, all right, right, we got one. Hello. Hello. Hello.
7: Hey, um, my name is Addison. I am from Tennessee. And I had kind of a hot take. So I was talking to a lot of my friends from like Tennessee. And we think that with this golf getting so much bigger that people that are going to be playing woods golf in like Tennessee and North Carolina and stuff like that are going to have a huge advantage, like, because I'm from where, like where Chris Dickerson's from. And we think that people. Growing up, playing woods golf like Tennessee, North Carolina, and Virginia and stuff like that are going to have a huge advantage over a lot of people out west because if we play an open course, we just have all the freedom in the world, which some people might not have the like, greatest distance, but if you can get 400, maybe 450, you'll probably be able to keep up with a lot of people that might throw 500 just because if you do play a mixed course, you're going to have an advantage on the open course or the wooded course.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting, definitely an interesting aspect that disc golf has that is a little unique. Um the other sport that kind of pops out that has this similar is is like tennis with the different uh surfaces. So you have hard court, you have clay court, you have gr- grass court. There are some players like Nadal, his his play style because he has so much spin when he plays on clay, it like amplifies it. So he's just been known as one of the best clay. Players of all time. You got Pete Sampras, who hits with a lot of pace, but also is a great serve and volley guy on grass. Serve and volley is just absolutely disgusting. So you have people that, you know, do well in certain scenarios or different, you know, uh, surfaces in, in tennis. And I think that is something that is, you, you know, kind of cool when it comes to disc golf, of where you get to see some people like an Andrew Marwey. It's a good example who um, didn't really have the greatest season at the beginning of the year. Uh, and we're playing a lot on the golf courses out in the middle, you know, these big shot, and big long holes. And then all of a sudden we get later in the season. Now we're getting into the woods and all of a sudden you see his name popping up the leaderboard mm-hmm. um, because he is such a good uh, woods player. So I think it's really interesting because I think it does go a little bit both ways because if you're really good in the wood, woods, you might not have, like you said, the greatest distance, and also you might not be that great out in the wind. Yeah, that's then, what I was about to say. And then vice versa, if you're playing open courses out in the wind all the time, now you're going into the woods and now you're trying to have to hit lines and, and you know do scramble shots that you haven't really been practicing. I think that's where... I think
0: a great example of this is... Few people came to my head, right? Nathan Queen, uh, big time one. Michael Johansson,
2: mm, yeah. Uh,
0: Michael yeah. Johansson might be the greatest example. So I'm gonna drop the Nathan Queen. Michael Johansson, yeah. He even he's not on tour a lot at the beginning of the year. If he was, he is not competing at Las Vegas Challenge, OTB Open, any course that requires distance. But then you get to MVP Open, you get to uh, GMC his name can start to be in the mix. Why? Mm. Because he's such a good wooded golfer. So I think that woods golf gives players advantage on like technical touchy shots and stuff like that. But I don't think that a player who only's ever played woods golf or that's their main play has any actual like advantage over someone who plays a lot of open golf because it just depends on the course you're playing. The best players are ones who are constantly practicing both and doing a lot of field work yeah. to where they're like, for instance, Paul is has always been one of the best straight shot throwers in the game. Mm-hmm. So what that allows him to do is woods golf he's very good at because he can throw straight. Open golf very good at because he can throw straight. But if Paul only learned in the woods where he's like can throw like flex shots or whatever, touchy shots, he might not be as good of a golfer versus doing a lot of field work, learning different shots, learning the wind. Um it's also Chris Dickerson a lot of times you a lot of people said like he doesn't go to the west coast he went to the west coast a lot this year he just didn't make much noise out there because he's a he's an east coast golfer he is a woods golfer you put him in the woods he's going to be better than pretty much anyone in the field um and that's also a course like usdgc people try to argue that as an open course usdgc because of all the ob almost plays like a wooded course it has a lot of wind but you got to throw straight touchy technical shots to be able to compete out there which is why we see james conrad big germ Chris Dickerson, Nate Sexton, some of the best wooded golfers, I would argue. Sexton, just really good at playing safe. Uh, But the other three, some of the best wooded golfers winning that tournament.
1: Yeah, you're not really on the golf courses. You know, you can really unleash some kind of like big hyzers that just land in the middle. Or you can even get really aggressive off the tee and throwing rollers. USDGC, you can't really do that with how much OB there is. I
0: think with the way the tour is headed, you have to be able to do both. And if you're only practicing in the woods, I you're, you're going to struggle in the open.
1: I think that's key is I think it's going to be interesting to see some of these players that are known for, oh, they're really good in the woods or, oh, they only can compete on golf courses. It's going to be interesting to see how their game develops over the two next two to three years because I don't think anyone that's really competitive wants to only be able to play one style of disc golf to be able to compete. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for calling Wait. in, brother.
8: I'll
7: have a quick, uh, y'all, y'all kind of alluded to another question that I thought of. Um, do you, because I feel like playing in the, if you start playing in the woods early on and get like your kind of technique woods-wise, I feel like it's easier to go from being really good in the woods to learning distant afterwards versus being able to I can see in early that. on and then having to learn how to play in the woods.
1: Yeah, I can see, I can see that for sure. You know? Um, yeah,
7: that's a... I, I thought of it whenever you moved to – which I don't know if that that was one of your reasons for moving to Virginia it was. or not. But Yeah, it was. I thought that – okay, yeah. Yeah, there yeah, was I thought that could have been it because you have the distance, but to practice all these really tight technical courses, I think could definitely help your game. Yeah, there's not too,
1: too many courses down in da- – there's a lot of wooded courses in Dallas, but all the holes are like sub-300 feet, right? So um, yeah. coming up here, there's a lot of courses that I can play that have – those long wooded holes that are more uh, consistent with the holes that you see on tour.
7: Yeah. I'm actually in Austin right now, Austin, Texas for the NADGT. Oh yeah. And, it's going on this week. And, yeah. Yeah. And um, me and my friends have noticed it because like the woods here aren't really like woods in Tennessee. Like uh, some, oh, there's a lot more chances to throw over trees and stuff yep. like that. Out here Smaller in, trees out Austin, here. So. Yep. For but, sure. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call.
1: Heck yeah, man! Appreciate. It. Good luck this week.
0: Someone was trying to tell me that Nate Sexton is not a safe golfer.
1: No, 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 no. I think I think they were uh, alluding to he's not like a Woods golfer. He's a safe golfer. I think was their argument.
0: They said terrible take that Sexton is just good at playing safe. I think that's that's Sexton's brand. He throws a forehand. He does what he's good at I over he, and over, and he puts it in the middle of the fairway every time. Yeah, I think he would be. If someone goes super I think aggressive, he would tell you that. Yeah, if someone if someone pops off and goes super aggressive, Sexton's not beating them. But if they go aggressive and they make mistakes, because they go aggressive, Sexton's going to beat them. That's why mm-hmm. Sexton when he was on tour was a consistent fifth or sixth place guy every week. Because if he if people in front he's of him mess up, up, yeah, he's never blowing up. And if people mess up, he's going to take advantage and push for the win. And that's why of course like USDGC, Sexton's always going to do something out there.
1: I uh I had one of the worst OB shots ever where there was like an electric because sunset park is just there's all sorts of things going on but there was like an electrical box or something in the middle of one of the holes and it had a fence around it so if you go inside you know if you land inside the fence you're ob well one area of the fence was like pulled up like someone had like got their disc stuck in there and they wanted it so they just like grabbed the fence and like yanked it up so it was like pulled up and so my disc slid and it slid. I don't know. I don't know why I thought about that, but I just, it's that's still, so I still haven't. Yeah. I still haven't swallowed that one yet. Hello. Hello.
4: Hi
9: there. John Adams from just outside of Vancouver, Canada. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing good, John. How are you brother?
9: Doing good. I, yeah, I, I got a question. Maybe it's a bigger question than, than those times to sort of chew off and digest, but, and this is probably something that's been talked about quite a bit before, mm-hmm. but, Thoughts, thoughts on paid courses. Like, I'm just thinking specifically about players' payout, right? We're seeing bigger payouts. I think it's really good for the sport and for getting people involved, getting careers going and so on. Um, I mean, I don't know about all the moving pieces in regular or in golf, right? And how payouts work and where that comes from. But perceivably could that come from, like you say, a dedicated worlds course or something like that, where it is a course that's just regularly paid for. And then, right? Like, is that a factor? Is that something that could be used to, to help pay these players more, to be able to get the the word out there more for the, the sport and help it grow?
1: Yeah. I don't know right now if that would actually, you know, put money in the pockets of players. Um, directly. Uh it could in maybe an indirect way. Uh I think the real issue right now is just space and land for these paid disc golf courses. And and really just also you can't you can't charge nearly as much as you can in golf. So you need to have land that's either way cheaper, your up to your you know, your upkeep of the actual course needs to be way lower. Um I don't know. There's there's a lot of scenarios. I would say though, as soon as, uh, it, you know, in in any kind of sphere of business, as soon as people think they can make money doing something, I think you'll see it. Well,
0: that's why I think we're getting there.
1: It's slowly um, there. I don't know if the numbers are necessarily big enough there for people to start. I think what'll end up happening investing is investing in that just yet. Uh,
0: tour courses will start to be more private and pay to play because they'll be like destination courses. You know what I mean? Like where it could be, yes. you can take a trip and go play MVP Maple Hill. That's a pay-to-play course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why Maple Hill is so well-kept. But I think what's important and what I don't think will change is the free parks and stuff like that that makes yeah. disc golf so accessible. I mm-hmm. think those are going to be two different things. Yep. Um, yeah. Because like having park golf is so crucial to the growth of the sport and the accessibility of the sport. And the reason so much of us play disc golf is because you can go pay 20 bucks for two discs and go out to a course for free. Totally. But then when you get super into the sport, I do think it's important, not necessarily for the growth on the player side and paying the players, but for the growth of the tour because the courses can be up to a certain standard. We can have full control over the properties. We can make sure that right. the cell service is good out there. They can be a dedicated pro shop yeah. and stuff like that. I think pay-to-play is the future of the tour, but not necessarily the future of the entire sport, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. On, on, to piggyback on that, I would say... That you know, golf has their public courses, their semi-private, and their private courses, right? I think disc golf, I don't think I don't think they'll ever be able to have like a private course where you know they have a hundred members. And, and only those, those members those play. only those members yeah. get to play. I think the setup will be kind of what you're talking about. You'll have those public courses that are at parks or whatever. And then I think you, I think you can slowly get into like what Maple Hill is. Well, they're not even there right now. They're just, they're just like almost like a a mini golf situation where you just show up and pay. You
0: can pay for memberships at Maple Hill year round.
1: What do you get from your membership? I, I
0: don't know that fully, but I know okay. you can pay at least year round, and it's like a discounted rate yeah. versus if you're paying for round per yeah. round.
1: Uh, I was talking more like of potentially having like amenities and other things. Yeah, I don't know that wise. Like you have potentially like a locker where you can keep your discs. So that way, if you're coming from work or whatever, you don't have to keep your discs in your car. Like other things like that where you're paying your membership. Because yeah. what you're basically saying is like, hey, the round is $10 or you can pay, you know, $90 for 10 rounds. That's what you're considering membership right now, right? Yeah, yeah
0: I don't know what the rates are, but essentially, yeah, yeah. it's like nothing it, else is You coming. can pay like yearly you're not getting yearly up front
1: you're not getting a uh you know a preferred parking spot you're not getting not that i know of yeah yeah. there's not other things that are in time so i think that a semi-private kind of uh thing could could potentially happen for sure
0: yeah that'd be fun
9: i don't like the idea of paid courses right like like you say it it really makes things accessible to have it free to have it to have have these park courses Mm -hmm. so i certainly don't like the idea but yeah, like, if if, pay, if having a pay-per-play uh, sort of course makes it so that courses start getting better, I mean, there's a lot of awesome courses, right? But, like, to get them to a next level, not just amenity-wise, but, like, course design-wise, like, I, I don't think we've hit a ceiling on course design. There's lots of discussion around that, too, right? But, yeah, I, I think in general, yeah, I don't know. Just
1: Yeah, I mean, you just, really... Just, I was just going to say, you really only need probably one or two people to be able to keep a disc golf course like in in play. Like you Mm -hmm. don't need a full 15, 20 person maintenance crew to make sure the course looks good.
0: Yeah. If they're constantly working on it, you don't need a big crew.
1: So you could like that to me, that could be something that could be really cool of like right now, everything is really reliant on volunteers, right? Like the local community for those people to keep the course in shape. So that when the disc golf pro tour comes up, it looks good. I mean, it would be awesome if you know a course had two full time employees, and their main job was just to make the course look good all year round. So that when that way, when the disc golf pro tour rolls into town, they're like, "Dang, we basically have don't have to do anything. We just got
0: to put our banners up yeah. and call today." So
1: I like that idea, though. Yeah,
0: cool.
9: Thanks, guys.
1: Heck yeah, brother! Thanks for calling in.
0: Have a good night. Trevor and I were talking about that would be a sick thing for the PDGA to invest in. Obviously, they have the IDGC right now, but that's at a public park. Mm-hmm. But if the PDGA like made their headquarters a like tourist destination where it was like the most immaculate disc golf course mm. and like PDGA paying members get to play there for free, non-PDGA members can pay to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that could be the site of a the Champions Cup Masters minus Cup. the match play.
1: Is it Masters Cup or Champions it's Cup? It's the Champions Cup is what they're the calling The Champions
0: Cup. The Champions Cup get rid of the match play stuff and have it there every year. You know what I mean? Kind of like it's what WR Jackson and steady Ed and all those courses are supposed to be. But as far as I know, the PDGA doesn't own that property. I could be wrong there. I just remember WR Jackson, the whole course got logged and they were kind of upset about it. And they had to like redesign the holes, um, which I don't think that was the PDGA's choice, which makes me think it is the Wildwood park property. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just,
1: I just think that that'd be kind of a cool idea. I will say too, before we bounce to the next caller, I will say, me and Kelsey, when we got off the course yesterday, there was a couple that has like, they're doing like a, a road trip. Uh, I don't know where their final destination was, but they stopped here to play new London. Oh, so like nice. that's, you know, they're from Texas. They drove, they're, oh, wow. know, they're go- I don't know where they're going. They might be going up to new- you know, the, the Northeast somewhere. Uh, but they specifically stopped here to play new London. And I think, that is potentially something that i think more and more people you'll start seeing them as the disc golf pro tour continues to grow these kind of destination courses that we talked about in previous uh podcasts i think those are going to get more those courses going to get more and more popular in the sense of people wanting to travel to play them because yeah. they have seen them on on uh on tours
0: uh interesting uh- extra bit of information going back a few points to the DDO Mm. worlds debate. Uh, we do have the course designer, Eric McCabe providing information live saying Jones gold is going to be redesigned for worlds. So the course will actually be different. The Jones Gold between DDO and worlds. So it won't be the exact same tournament, even though it might be the same course.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot. So it'll feel a little bit special. Maybe they'll have a little, a few little wrinkles in there and, uh, hopefully beef it up too a little bit, you know, so, we'll so the same
0: it. location, technically the same park, but th- it will be different. different.
1: Yes. Okay. I love that. I love that. So there that. you go. Very good. Very good insight. We got another one, Silas? They just hung up. Oh, it oh, hung man. up on you. Dang it. I, I took too long talking. That's my fault. Right. That's probably going to be someone on Twitter later getting mad at me. Hello? Hello, what's up? How are you doing?
10: I'm doing all right, man. I'm Jacob down here in South Mississippi. Had an interesting thing happen the other day at a tournament.
1: Okay, let's hear it.
10: Uh, so somebody um, was on the uh, main card in the second round and brought some spider tack to throw a disc with you, a little more grip, a little more um, pop on the disc, a little more spin and things like that. Okay. And uh, basically what happened was at the end of the round, there's this big debate of is that a performance enhancer? You know, what what is that kind of, look like. yeah. Because you think about the PDGA rules and stuff like that. There's no, this is okay, this is not okay. There's no even really rule for something like chalk or or anything like that. So it was a tournament call and they just decided that, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, TD decided was kind of what they went with and he decided that it was okay because there's no rule to to really uh, I guess circumvent somebody doing that. So I was curious if you think something like that will kind of make its way into any other form of like bigger tournaments or anything like that. Or what does it look like?
0: I mean, I would be surprised, to be honest with you, if it if players weren't already using it on the pro you think point. it
1: helps that much?
0: I don't think it hurts. Especially mm. like a rainy round.
1: Yeah, I could see rainy for sure.
0: I believe Paul did a video testing it, uh, where he tested several different grip things and his thing was he felt like his forehand could get more a little bit more like pop. With certain ones, I don't know if he like liked it enough that he's going to use it around. But it, there's nothing illegal about it right now. Yeah. And when Trevor and I talked about it, we talked about it on Grip Locked a while ago. Uh, it might have been when Paul's video came out. And I'm actually very curious to hear your take on this. Cause I don't think I have. Um, our thing that we came to with the decision of is in other sports, the reason it's such a big advantage is it's directly against your com- competitor. For instance, in baseball, if you're using something to get more RPMs on your uh, ball it makes it harder for you to hit as mm-hmm. the um, batter if you're in football and you use them it gives the it makes it harder for you to be guarded because it's a lot easier for you to catch with that mm-hmm. on your hand In disc golf w- what is the competitive advantage because it's not like you're suddenly going to be able to throw a ton farther or putt better or something like that and it's something where all players well, can kind of choose to use it but as I think all players
1: can choose I, I would argue our players could choose to to do stuff in baseball and football as well but so as think, a
0: batter what defense do you have if the pitcher is throwing with more rpms is what i'm saying
1: well if both pitchers are doing it then it's equal playing field though that's my point if all wide receivers are using stick then it's an equal playing field for everyone so i think what it comes down to is the same thing is steroids the the, the reason the reason is um If everyone used steroids, right, then there would be an equal playing field for everyone because everyone's using it. But you have to take a stance of, like, what you want to allow and what you don't. Like, I think an interesting argument is – or an interesting topic, rather, is, like, do you like gloves, football gloves, on wide receivers? Because – have you have you I've, I've, have yeah, you I've used NFL gloves? I
0: think I think I can catch almost anything. They are so sticky. Now I couldn't catch with how fast the quarterbacks are throwing in the NFL. Yeah, but I could those, I could look like Odell Beckham in my backyard with my dad throwing me a football. Those That's gloves sure.
1: are so sticky; it's unbelievable. Um, to where it almost makes it to me think like, man, it might actually be a lot cooler if you just if you just weren't allowed to wear gloves in football. I don't and think now so. you have to catch. More boring. Now you have to catch bare hand. So well, it make it, it make it a lot more difficult. Here is the
0: question: Then, if you are going to make the rule, where do you draw the line on substances on your hand?
1: No, th- that's with the disc golf one. That's such a tough one because it's like you you have to. The only way, the only way of really like doing it properly is by saying these all these substances are not used. You have to like list them off. So then, like, because if you just leave it to objective of like any sticky substance isn't allowed, it's like, okay, like what I think that's just too open ended.
0: Well not necessarily I'm saying like if you could say like added grip enhancers on your hand, then the question is, chalk, like, is like, like is chalk gonna be allowed?
1: Yeah, like my my sports sack is an added enhancer, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Would that be outlawed in the same Sweep of rules that outlaw spider attack.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I don't know
0: personally. I don't think it's as much of an advantage that it, there needs to be a rule against it. In my eyes, okay.
1: So it doesn't add. It doesn't add enough. I don't
0: think it's making players that much better. Gotcha. If that makes sense. I think all it's doing is allowing them to throw up to their potential. Gotcha. Of okay. like when it's when it's rainy out. If I'm able to get my hand fully dry and hold onto the disc, and you're not, I don't see that as a competitive advantage. <laughs> um because it's not like <laughs> i'm do, i am now able to increase my distance from 400 to 500 because i put something on my hand
1: because you could also get real nasty within like get the natural pine sap you know what i'm mm, saying Silas? that's too sticky like Gotta you, just, be. you just like you're just like i'm just gonna post that's up way o- too sticky i'm just gonna post up over here
0: i've done that by accident never make that mistake <laughs> but i see i see
8: the spider tag like like um, when golfers wear golf gloves,
7: mm. you know, uh-huh. yeah. same type of thing.
1: Yeah. No. Right. So there are different gloves too, when it's raining in golf as well.
0: What about like friction gloves and disc golf? Those are allowed in tournament
1: play. I think that'll make you worse. So I highly advise those.
0: I'm just saying they're, they're allowed in tournament play. Yeah.
1: I highly advise every pro to wear those gloves and throw. Do it. It will make you. Make me make it easier for me to potentially beat you. <laughs> one, I don't I don't like friction that... gloves for for dis. Sorry, go ahead.
10: One thing that I would add to the conversation is if you remember, was it two years ago um, at uh, the Santa Cruz? I think second round it was like Wasaki.
1: Oh, the terrible um, round, you know,
10: yeah. Yeah, the the terrible rain round, right? If you get um, if you can't keep your hand dry, like none of those people, none of those guys could keep their hands dry, and you can get some uh, attack that really just allows you to get that extra grip where you can hit those lines and, and things like that in um, those really, really bad conditions. And somebody thinks, like, oh, it might rain today. I need to bring this. I need to grab it. And somebody else doesn't. I think that especially is one of those cases where you need to have kind of rules. It all has to be a, a level playing field in that way because that's a, a very, very big advantage, especially in that round. You know, I mean, what Paul three-putted, which has never happened yeah. In history of ever. Well, you know, I think so there,
1: I, I think caddies. I don't know if that round would ever happen again now because I think players are starting to realize that having a caddy when it rains is incredible, crucial. incredibly crucial. I think you also start seeing too where caddies are actually like standing over you with an umbrella while you're while you're about to putt, and then literally walking away as you're like almost in your putting motion. Uh, to try to keep your hands and discs dry. So I think think you'll start seeing that happen, but I just don't think the idea of like, right now there's so many other things that are difficult for, you know, we're talking about, you know, slow play, right? You know, last week we just talked about um, Gannon taking forever and getting called on and stuff. And I think that's a real problem right now in disc golf is just how slow, Uh, how slow the sport is mainly for spectators as well so the idea of like someone sticking their hand in their bag and getting a little bit of a substance on their fingertips and like people trying to figure out if that's legal or not i just just don't think that's even feasible at this point right now no but i think maybe down the road for sure there might be some you know i could see them i could see
0: them outlawing it just because like it makes sense to outlaw it. But there's definitely I just be people don't see a are... reason behind it right now. And I also don't see how you can effectively do it. Like you just
1: said, it's, yeah, it's gonna be very, very difficult to, to be able to, I mean, heck, they don't even, they don't even, uh, really check to see if people are using a legal disc. Never.
0: No. Don't even check manufacturers if they're making legal discs. Yeah. So like that's a lot of times
1: to me, that seems like it's almost, that should be almost like the most important thing, right? Is like, let's figure out how, Let's figure out how we can get that done before we worry about you know a little finger tack.
10: I got you. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the call and answering. I'm actually the guy from a couple weeks ago that uh, y'all called the popcorn guy. I tried to ask the same question forever ago. I don't know what was wrong with my phone.
1: Oh, well, hey, I'm glad you got, got, got to call it in now, man.
10: Yeah, man,
0: I appreciate y'all.
1: Yeah, of course, brother. Have a great night. You too. You know, it'd be wild if we get our first... Female caller, we never had one. I've seen people on Twitter say they've tried to call in. I have seen some people. I don't think we've ever had one. No one got. Through? I could be wrong. All
0: right, we got one. We got
8: oh, some. Here
1: we go. Could it be? Hello, hello,
8: hello. I'm here finally after 300 calls or whatever it's. Been.
1: Let's go. <laughs> Welcome to the show, my dude.
8: Okay. Um. So my name is Noah from Michigan. What up, Noah? And I would prefer. I know Hunter loves to talk about increasing purse money, and I don't doubt that that's – I don't – I have no doubt that that would be great. But I think what instead sponsorship money should be used for is building proper infrastructure because you can get purse money much easier than you can get infrastructure money. And infrastructure money would, in turn, by building a better product and building a more professional broadcast and all that stuff, you're going to get more money coming in. Mm. I, I just think that would be better. Look at your opinion.
0: I don't think, spo- personally, I don't think sponsorship money of an event should go to building out the infrastructure of the tour. I think the tour should could go get uh, funding from outside investors. Um, they could do a number of different things that would be more beneficial and useful for that. But like, for instance, if we as foundation were going to sponsor the pro tour. Um, we expect that money to be going towards the purse and to the players and for advertising stuff. I think we would kind of be upset or confused if it's like, oh no, you're just paying us so that we can hire this guy to help with this or invest you, in technology or to build we out
1: bought a new camera.
0: Yeah. I would be like, Well, that's I wasn't I wasn't buying you a new camera. I, I wanted yeah I wanted the purse to be bigger. Like that's the reason I think a lot of sponsorship is for the viewership and for the purses. And a lot of the disc golf network subscriptions and stuff like that should be the infrastructure side. And if they need money immediately, that's where I think that these fundraising rounds and stuff like that, they could be doing if they wanted to, if that's what they need. If money's what they need, then I'm sure there's plenty of people that would be interested in investing in the Pro Tour right now.
1: I think there's also a company that has a lot of money in their bank, too. That's a four-letter word. Of course,
9: the
8: four-letter word that
1: controls sports. Love it. So, yeah, I see what you're saying, though. I, I agree with you in the sense that a uh, better product is going to bring more, um, uh, you know, a, a better production value, which more people will more, more likely tune in longer, which potentially can bring in more sponsors. But then I also do agree with Hunter as well uh, as the sponsorship money shouldn't be going into making, you know, you know, whatever stuff that the tour needs to pay for.
8: Well then maybe they just need to maybe they just need to be more upfront with where their money's going. Not so much like not so much like, like if they wanna I don't know, maybe they should do that Kickstarter and be like, Hey, we wanna employ three new people. I bet you if you did a Kickstarter and they wanna employ three new people
1: they could probably maybe get some money. Look, I'm just all I'm gonna say about disc golf Kickstarter. That ki- this this, this that is, Kickstarter. You, I, I feel like you could start anything it right blows now. blows my mind and how, get it funded in disc golf. Yeah, Kickstarter. it blows my mind how these things get funded like that in disc golf. You
0: just blink your eyes and stuff has two hundred fifty thousand dollars in
1: funding. It blows my mind. But, but I don't oh, think that if
0: you're please. an established business, I hate the idea of Kickstarter personally.
1: Well, I'm going to start one for us tomorrow. Well, I hate it. Me and Sasha are going to come up with a new product. I refuse. I refuse.
0: Well, okay. If it's a new product and a new business, that's one no, thing.
1: No, no, no. It's a new product for foundation.
0: Imagine the PDGA did a Kickstarter because the they needed dialogue. to redesign their website. I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. I can see your financial statements. And I know you got a mill sitting in the bank right now. You could redesign a website with that. But they're like, no, well, Kickstarter.
8: you tried to do it once. Sony tried to do it when they won unvi- before they unveiled the PS4 they won the how'd that do were like <laughs> the people were like are you serious but it was funny
1: Yeah.
8: I mean it got people talking about them that is true
1: <laughs> let's start a Kickstarter tomorrow Silas let's figure it out let's, let's, you know, let's think of some stuff tonight and let's figure it out tomorrow
0: alright let's do it
8: yeah let's
1: do it alright thanks for calling in brother Um.
0: thanks Silas just hung up on him. didn't even give him a chance no, to say no
1: Silas is Silas is he gets this show running here. We're not trying to slow play around here. I appreciate, I get people it. got I get stuff it. to do. People want to hear the action. No one wants to sit back and just watch our faces.
0: I almost didn't get the four letter word with a lot of money in the sport.
1: I knew you'd eventually get it
0: i really, I knew it immediately. I just wanted, yeah. I wanted to spell it out.
6: yeah, we got one. Hello. Hello. How's it going, fellas?
1: Oh, we're chilling. How are you doing?
11: Doing great. So first off, huge fan. Second off, um, I'm actually from Utah, and I thought the world was awesome. I know that's probably not a super common take, but I especially enjoyed the round at Fort. Do you feel like like the round at Fort was an issue at all, or did you feel like the, the rounds on the golf course were the biggest issue?
1: Yeah, I would say the golf course definitely had, had more issues than the Fort. I liked the Fort a lot. The only thing I would say that is that was probably the biggest issue with the fort was just the space for spectators. There were multiple holes that spectators couldn't even actually, uh, see or, or walk or, you know, be a part of at all. And I think that's a real issue. Um, and then there's like some small minute things as far as like some drop zones, some mandatories, you know, some stuff like that where, you know, you kind of take it, uh, you take away a little bit of like the people that threw good shots and the people that threw bad shots, you take away that gap of like actually being able to gain strokes on that. Um, but besides that, I would say the biggest issues with the four was simply just the fact that, I mean, 17, for example, you couldn't, you couldn't watch 17. Right. So 16 electric, awesome hole, 18, unbelievable hole, incredible. And then 17, right in the middle, you're just like chilling. Like, you can't see it. Right. So, you know, that that's rough coming down the stretch, especially you got to be able to see the last couple holes.
5: Right, for sure.
4: I have one follow-up question. Um, do you think that – I mean, obviously it sounds like Utah is kind of being, like, rid of in
11: the pro tour slate, which I'm definitely bummed about. But do you feel like if they put – instead of being on a golf course, if they put a resort course in – like at Snow Basin Ski Resort, that would change
1: things. What are you saying? Like the fact that the Disc Golf Pro Tour doesn't have an event in Utah this year? Yeah, exactly. Have they, have they had one in years the Utah The Utah
0: Open, I believe, was a Pro Tour. Or I mean,
1: yes. Oh, it was? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't last year because of World
4: Series. And,
0: yeah. I don't know if it was an ongoing one every year, um, but I know the Utah Open last year was an A tier.
1: Like the one, the, the year that Ricky won it by throwing an ace. On the last hole that was that was that a, was pro, like a tour. pro tour event.
0: I believe that was a pro tour event. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I actually don't know why um I think the Ford itself can hold could hold at least a silver series. You know, a 3-day silver series. I think that course can like I said from the playing aspect, there's only a couple things that well, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah. But, you know, I think the pro tour is is trying to be smart about, you know, like the caller that uh, called in before you about the infrastructure and making sure that the Wi-Fi is, you know, the connection speed and all that stuff is there. I think the Pro Tour is definitely leaning towards places that they can kind of run the same event over and over again. And so that way, if you're a fan and you're showing up, you know what you do expect.
0: Well, I think also the thing we're running into in disc golf right now is there is just so many courses that could host Pro Tours that there's going to be, Something a lot of out. courses that just don't get – heck, don't even get A-tier, Silver Series, or Pro Tours, even though they're good enough quality for all three. That's going to happen as the sport continues to grow. It's like there's just going to be some great courses and some states. Like I don't know if Virginia's ever had a Pro Tour event. I don't think we have. Not even a Silver Series. We normally only have one A-tier a year. We didn't even have that last year. But I think we have some insanely good courses with Lake Marshall, uh, the Blockhouse. Uh, I think a lot of it just
1: has to do more with like, and, what's around. Yeah, but like, well, also how it flows in the schedule. Yeah, of course, of course. But you're never, you're never going to get a, a big, you know, I love New London, but that is a question mark for some of the holes as well, is how do you handle hole one? How are you handling uh, 4,000 spectators on hole one?
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think that is a question for 90% of disc golf holes. For the, for the wooded
1: ones. Yeah. Yeah, like how do you how do you find a way of of dealing with that? And I think I think the solution, you ready for the dark horse solution? I think the solution is to like have the fort had this on a couple holes where it's like there's a path off the fairway. So you go, you know, Mm -hmm. fairway and woods for like ten to fifteen feet, and then fifteen feet is a cleared path.
0: New London has that on some of the holes. I'd say 60%. Yeah, some holes. of
1: the holes. Hole one doesn't have it. Hole one doesn't. Hole but two by the time, kind
0: hole, of. Hole two does. The hole, hole, hole two way.
1: kind of does. So I, I think, walked it. Think, I, think that, yeah, I think that's the, the secret with woods golf is you can't have these people chilling five feet off the fairway in the woods.
0: And you also can't fit like hole eight at USCGC. You can't fit 2,000 people into a 60-foot wide fairway. Yeah. No one's going to be able to see anything. Yeah. There's going to be 20 people that see.
1: Yeah exactly
0: it's definitely it's definitely interesting something that but there's going to be plenty of courses that are great caliber great location that just won't get pro tours
1: i'll tell you this though i would love for a big event to get get back into utah um because i i did love playing the fort that was one of my top courses i got to play last year so i i I enjoyed that course a lot
11: cool thanks for the uh for the insight guys rock
1: heck yeah man have a good one all right. We got other calls lined up, Silas? Okay. Lines are open. Lines are open. Lines are open. When are we gonna do our first like call-a-thon? Is that a thing? Is that what they call them? Call a thons?
0: Isn't that like they raise money for like charity?
1: Yeah. Is it a call-a-thon? That's not the right telethon. Is it a telethon? Yeah, where people like call in. We all each have our own phone set and you call in, you don't know who you're gonna get, and we're like Hello, how's it going? And then you like say how much you want to donate, and we take down your payment information, and we raise a bunch of money. All right, we got it. That'd be fun. No, I think it'd be fun. Hello, hi. What's good?
5: Hey, my name is Alex. I'm from Wisconsin.
1: What's good, man?
5: Hey, I was just calling um, to talk about you know sponsorship for the pro tour. Okay. And what my idea was. Oh, let's hear. So you know, they have like, you know, in, in NASCAR, how they have like, you know, DoorDash, Uber Eats and Grubhub sponsoring them. What about the pro disc golf tour reaching out and maybe getting that to happen?
1: You're saying like those specific companies.
5: Well, yeah. Like all the like service applications, like whether it be Instacart, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, you know, you get all of these people that, you know, they, Their main priority is being out on the road. Their main priority is, you know, making deliveries to people in the community. Mm -hmm. But what it helps is gets you out of the house. You're already out there working. Then you can go offline at any moment and then you can go disc golf because you're near a course. And I feel like it could really help a lot of people in the community, you know, find another alternative to, make money and still be able oh, to Oh you're golf saying there.
1: those people work. You're saying pros become drivers? Is that what you're saying?
5: No, no. I'm saying that like to get them to support the pro disc golf tour, I think those are companies we could reach out to.
1: Oh, you're just saying that those those companies might align well with with uh like the disc sponsoring. golf pro tour.
5: Yeah. I feel like it would sponsor just like having, you know, like Subway as a sponsor or Yeah, you know.
1: No, I mean you know, at the end of the day, like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, companies that would make a lot of sense, uh, that would go in line with the, uh, demographic that watches disc golf. Um, the, the tricky thing is just the size, right. And these companies, especially the ones that you were just talking about Grubhub, DoorDash, these are massive multi-million dollar companies. And when they're, you know, working on, uh their marketing plans and stuff like that they're a lot of times dealing with million dollar marketing campaigns and so i don't know if the pro tour is at that level yet of where they're getting you know nine figures um no what the heck seven I was figures to say nine Whoa, figures thing bro calm down calm down uh seven figures yet for i mean i'm guessing they're probably in the range of five figures for most of their sponsorships um, maybe six figures for some of the, the bigger ones for the entire year. I don't know exactly, but that's the only issue is when you're talking with these massive companies, it right now, I just don't think the eyeballs are there that it makes it even makes sense for them to even spend the time to come up with a marketing campaign. Cause that's the thing is when I was doing a lot of stuff on the ultimate side, and even on the social media side, to me, it's like a no brainer for sometimes if it's like, dude, just like if this company just gave us $50,000, like it would be so good. But very few companies ever just like sign a check for 50K and then give it away. They want to have like a campaign built around it. And integration they need a, plan they and... have to come up with something and the, the team to come up with that and to keep up with the statistics and to do all that, um... It's tough, and and Johnsonville was the first one. Uh, and LL
0: Bean was involved. Was it LL Bean this and tour the mortgage company for the tour championship? LL Bean was a sponsor on some level. The what was the mortgage company? I'm trying. They're remember. a big company. It was a the company mortgage that company, that is wasn't, a big company. It wasn't Rocket Mortgage, right? No. Okay, but it was one that I've
1: seen commercials for on yeah, ESPN. You've heard of it, stuff. so I think it's starting to get there for sure. Like last year, I don't think they had any big companies in disc golf pro tour sponsorship not wise. that i know yeah of, no. and so i think it's definitely starting to get there and i think the more guaranteed rate that's the more guaranteed rate yep yep and i think the more uh and, and these were all just at the tour championship so my guess is the disc golf pro tour did a really good job of
0: well i think a big draw of that is they it's guaranteed on espn and they probably had the this is how many views it got last yes, year on espn they had and they blah, probably blah, blah. were
1: pushing that at the beginning of the year of this is what we're, we're trying to get something here. Yeah. I think the big turning point is when you see a guaranteed rate, Johnsonville, something like that sponsor the actual tour. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're potentially like, you know, they're, they're, they're on board at at most of the tournaments. Yeah. And then you have, you know, And then I, go ahead.
5: I have one last question. Um, when are we going to see Hunter do uh, like a tournament, like a tournament footage and, Yeah, we got to get that going. Yeah, when are you going to unretire,
1: dude? I'm retired. Him and Trevor retired, but I I think they need to. It might be next year at this Halloween tournament. Honestly, that'd be a great one to unretire. I retired
5: about this time last year. Tom Brady can throw in his 50s. You should be able to throw a disc. Come on, boss.
1: (laughs) You might not have a response. I don't. I don't have a response. You have no response. I am am physically
11: capable of playing in a tournament.
0: I choose not to. I've, I'm, I've chosen to be retired.
1: I think, I think it's just... Oh, did
0: Sa- <laughs>
1: No, no, said I think it. I think he was done.
0: Oh, okay. No. He, no, he no, just, he what just what roasted you Silas just bye. sent me. No, he, he said bye. Uh, he, I never heard bye. Yeah, I didn't hear bye.
1: He roasted you and then proceeded to leave, which is uh, hilarious. I love that. We need more callers like that. That was a good caller. I like that.
0: Well, I didn't know where he was going for the first five minutes of the call.
1: I didn't either. I thought he was literally saying, should pro players... DoorDash. DoorDash. Which there are several that do. Yeah. All right. Hello? Hey, how's it going?
11: Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: We're chilling, man. How are you?
11: I want to touch up again on the um, substances, hand substances. Okay. Okay. So one thing that I've noticed is like, everybody talks about spider tech. Um, Yep. But one of the things in baseball was uh, mixing sunscreen spray with uh, crushed rock rosin, like rosin bag. Interesting. And I do that on the course, and it's great.
1: Interesting. I've never. We might have to try that. We'll to try so, that.
11: what you do is. Can
1: you tweet? Can it, you tweet the? I mean, obviously sunscreen, sunscreen. But can you tweet the actual other no, product? Well,
11: well, what it is, it's like this. They make those rosin bags for like Little League, but then they make the pro bags with the rock rosin. You crush it with a baseball bat, and it gets powdery, and it's a lot stickier than the uh, the uh, cheaper brand. But then. With the sunscreen, I dust my hand with it, and then I do a little bit of a waterproof sunscreen spray, which has some copolymer as the ingredient you need. And it's like a plastic that sticks to your hand. Then I dust it again with rosin. And
1: Are you I a chemist?
11: Chalk bag. And no, no, I read that this was on that scumbag Trevor Bowers YouTube page. So, but the thing was cool about it is it's sticky, but you could tone it down with the, the chalk bag. And then after that, when your hand gets dirty, if you wipe it off with a rag, it still maintains that kind of base coat. It's really interesting. interesting. It really helped me. I did it once so sticky that so I could touch the disc and hold it up vertically and it wouldn't fall on my hand. The top of the dome. Okay. Jeez. But then I'm a beginner, but like one thing it did, it set off this thing, which I realized how hard I could grip the disc to get a lot of spin. And it like, I don't use it like that anymore, but I was like, whoa, oh, I get it now. But then now I just use it to kind of maintain a certain level of tack, but it's very that's, subtle.
1: That's so interesting because I hate getting sunscreen on my hand when I go play disc golf.
11: No, but what when you, you have that rosin dust it, on man. it, if you have rosin dust on it and you spray a little bit of waterproof sunscreen I just dust it. I'm all in but on then, this. Yeah. You know this Cyrus,
1: you, do you know the, the formula here? Because we're going to need you to remember this because we have to try this for this a video. It
11: sounds pretty simple. Baseball rock rosin is from Italian brand. like a...
1: Oh, Italian! You're Italian. in. You're in. in. You, uh, thats all you, you need to say and is Italian. The and, then,
11: and then, it's just any gener- any corporate brand of uh, waterproof sunscreen has the ingredient says like something copolymer, and that's the waterproof aspect that makes it stick to you. But what I also do is I wipe off the in, in between my fingers, so my fingers don't stick together together. It only sticks to the surface of the disk.
1: Oh, We're gonna have to try this out. Yeah. Am I
11: getting Julius Caesar by any chance? No, yeah. no, 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 you're good. This, this is, is this is fascinating.
1: People love it. People just think you're a mad scientist in the chat.
11: No, there's a bunch of YouTube videos on the when they go through the spider attack thing, but they I also know. talk about the sunscreen thing, because there was also a controversy about okay, there's players spraying some sunscreen on their arm with rods and they're touching it. Just get that little pack. And I kind of do that on the course.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's legal right now. Do it. Yeah. you you get away with it, might as well.
11: Yeah. And I agree that it, I agree that, um, it is a level playing field. And I think there's like, yeah, if there was some substance that all of a sudden you're just getting 200 extra feet out of your throat. It's like, okay, well, obviously there's something going on there, but like, Mm -hmm. um, in conditions when it's humid, this helps like, um, and i don't know i don't think it's having it so sticky when i did it to the extreme level to see how sticky it could get definitely not an advantage but it definitely as a training it kind of see how hard can i grip it how much spin can i put on it confidently that kind of helped me a little bit
0: maybe this is what i need to come out of retirement
1: you're just the tack boy (laughs) yeah just spider tack tack maybe maybe
11: this can get you out of retirement
1: yeah i think this is it i love that i love that thanks for calling in brother We're going to have to try that. It was
11: nice talking to you
1: all. All right. Have a good one. Um, Liz
0: actually texted me and said, get me that for tomorrow. I'm going to throw into a different (laughs) zip code.
1: Yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, Liz and Kelsey are doing the first uh, video in a series that we're going to be calling wives battle, I believe. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have our wives or significant others or what, what have you uh, battle each other at different courses around the area. And Liz and Kelsey are first ones up. So, Post. uh, Let us know in the comments if you're listening this after the fact or right now if you're listening live. Who do you got? Liz versus Kelsey. Nine holes. Sounds like it's going to be the backhand versus the forehand battle. Yeah. Kelsey majority throws forehand. And Liz Liz doesn't like forehand. Throws backhand. So it's going to be interesting. But another thing I was going to say before we take another call is a lot of chatter about this Halloween tournament. So if you are interested, go to my little PDGA thingy majigger and uh, I think it's called Spooky Spooky Season Halloween. Look at the last tournament I played, and that's the name of it. Now, I will say it it fills up really quick. So my buddy will message now me... Now especially he's going to. My buddy will message me three or four months in advance being like, hey, sign-ups are up. Sign up because it fills up very, very quickly. But yeah, if you're interested, that would be fun. Uh, get a bunch of foundation people to show up uh, and play in the course. So I'll... I'll I did hear you got booed on hole 18. There was some chatter.
0: There was some chatter. That's pretty exciting. I want to be there. I want to get booed. Yeah. I haven't felt that blood pumping through
1: my veins. There was some chatter. I mean, there was a long time. The person I was kind of going head to head up against, you know, he was a little bit of a fan favorite, I guess there. So it is what it is. I I will take it. I have electric. I I need that in disc golf. Yeah. I have been booed uh, many a times. I
0: think I've been booed maybe twice ever.
1: Well, we need to change that. All right. We got another caller? Hello, hello. Hey, is is this me? This is you. You are live.
12: All right. I also think that would be electric. But uh, uh, I think that all of the baskets should be on a slope or should uh, be raised. Um, And I think that's how we should make a putting harder.
1: Yeah, I think when I think when we can start like really moving dirt around, I think you can you can see a lot more creativity when it comes to greens.
0: When when like courses are privately owned, you can actually build out.
1: Or or you have a situation like Bedford where they really, they're willing to do they're willing to to put in the work and stuff because then you can really say hey like for example hole one and even hole three at New London the reason those holes. Are great holes is because of the hill that the baskets are on. So it causes you a good shot. You're always going to be on the left hand side and you're always going to have that putt Scary where putt. you know if I miss it, it can roll down. So I, I'm with you 100%. I think it's just going to take.
0: I don't know if it should be every
1: hole. But not every I definitely, hole. I definitely, I definitely think
0: that hole. easy par 3s yeah, like, can definitely have that factor. in. Yes.
12: Though. Yeah, because I have a, a course that's pretty uh, close by and it's a pretty easy course but uh like pretty much 15 or 16 of the holes are on a slope and that's what makes it hard and like no, like three under the thousand rated uh Mm. just because of how hard like a putting is and like risk reward and so like you could have a hot round if you're putting well but if you're not like hitting your putts you'll have a 35 foot comebacker and that's how you get all your bogeys on that course so i think there should be more holes like that on the pro tour where um kind of a risk reward i like it yeah Yeah.
1: making making those 25 30 footers sweat you know you sweat a little bit more over those so i'm always a fan for that
12: yeah because like in golf like the short game is very hard and in Mm -hmm. disc golf it's not very hard, but I think that in golf, that like a, a driving the golf ball is easier yes. um, for like a good golfer and a good a disc golfer than it is for a driving in disc golf because you got to think about the wind, what a disc you, uh, like you'll be throwing in the wind, but in golf you're just gonna be a piping a driver or a three wood. Uh, a kind of a down like a wider yeah. A fairway. So yeah, the comparison that's what we need to do.
1: Yeah, the comparison of like the level of difficulty, like short game and golf around off the tee, short game and golf is by far way harder than off the tee and in, in, in golf. And it's the opposite of where short game and disc golf is very easy, off the tee is the difficult part. So um, I see what you're saying with that, but we appreciate you calling in.
12: All right. Sweet. I appreciate
1: it, guys. Have a good one, brother. You you know what I want? I want a, I want a cliff green.
0: What like, do you Like, build mean me that? a cliff. Like, how big is a cliff?
1: I want, like, a 20-foot cliff.
0: Nope. You don't want that. Why not? You think you want that. Why not? That's a young... Mm-mm.
1: 15? 15-foot cliff. You don't want more than five. Five's too small. I would go... I think the least I would go is 10-foot cliff of where literally... Basket is on the edge of the cliff, and it just drops ten feet.
0: I think I've played courses that have that. And you're just I up. didn't I didn't have fun.
1: You're just up there. Well, I mean, you're upshot. You want it like where are you gonna play? Are you gonna play up top or are you, you gonna play, play up down top? Low? You
0: airball and then you have a thirty footer looking up at the basket. You, you wouldn't airball. play down
1: low and like try to make like a thirty footer up the no, cliff? No, because if
0: you're close, you're looking up at the top of the basket.
1: That's where the scuba comes into play. I didn't have that back in drop. The day. Drop the scuba in. Hello, hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. What's going on?
13: Hey, this is uh, Jim from Williamsburg, Virginia. Welcome to Virginia Birdie.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
13: Um, Former Floridian as well. Go Gators.
1: Go
11: Gators. Um,
13: uh, So quick question. Um, I'm very new to the sport. Uh, I have you guys to thank. All the YouTube content you guys are producing kind of hooked me in. So I'm still learning, doing a lot more field work than actual playing. I've only done a couple rounds. And I heard in a poll interview a long time ago that his focus was to earlier on or his recommendation to focus on like form and distance and then hone it in later. So just curious what as a, as someone who's new to the sport, what's your preference? I mean, should I be out there just focusing on technical shots or should I focus on getting my distance? Cause it started at like 200 mm. and 300. I'm up to 350, really trying to crack some decent distances. And that's been my primary focus. And I I worry that I should be out there playing the courses more. Curious what your thoughts.
0: I think a lot of it depends on what your goals are uh, in the sport. Um, If you're someone who just, you know, you want to just go out and have fun with your friends. um, You know, I think field work is the quickest way to get better, but you're going to get worse before you get better a lot of times uh, within disc golf. And that can be very frustrating if you're just trying to have fun. So if you're just want to play disc golf just to have fun and you know enjoy it that way then i think go out to the course and playing's a great way to get better but if you want to take it pretty seriously and make sure you beat all your friends um i think always a goal right uh, there you go then i think <laughs> field work is a great way uh, to go about that and i think you got it the whole important part of field work though is going out there with a plan and being intentional with it if you go out there and just chuck discs with no intention and no focus on what you're working on um a lot of times what can end up happening is you build bad habits. Uh you have frustrating sessions where you don't actually end up getting any better. You just kind of tire yourself out for no reason. Um so I think definitely go out if you're trying to focus on like let's say that you notice your distance, uh, it just feels like you're trying to muscle the disc out. And then you probably need to work on your timing. So get some putters in mid, slow things down until it feels effortless. Or maybe you notice that everything is coming out nose up, then you have to work on your nose angle. Go out and with a very intentional focus on this is the part of my game I'm struggling with the most and set up drills that you have to work on that and rep that out over and over and over um, to get better and push yourself to that next level so then when you are on the course you feel a lot more prepared because you're like oh well now this gap I couldn't hit two weeks ago I just hit it 50 times in the field yesterday I got this now today
13: right right yeah, my field work tends to be just focusing on getting the disc as far as I can, and maybe maybe I should bury that up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think I think definitely focus on more like flight angles and timing and form work and stuff like that, and distance will start to come. Um, and then down the road, you can start focusing on distance a bit if that makes
13: sense. Yeah. yeah I appreciate it, and uh, uh, buddy, when things gonna happen this weekend? Do we got a shot against the dogs?
1: Roller, uh, you know we always got a shot. We always got a shot. Uh, it's gonna come down to the quarterback play right now for us. Um, you think
13: he'll start? Ar? Uh, I'm I it.
1: I don't know, man. I, it's I don't know what's really going on down there. Honestly, all I know is football this year is wild, and we had like Oklahoma should have lost five games by now. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of teams that are, you know, ranked pretty high that could easily lose. And so you, if you have a situation right now, if you're Florida and you have a situation of where you take down the number one team, let's just say, and then Alabama runs the table the rest of the way, and then you play Alabama in the sec championships and you beat them, it gets interesting. It gets interesting. So uh, you know, I think they do maybe have that in the back of their mind. The only thing is Georgia does out of, out of all the top teams right now, Georgia does look above and beyond everyone else. And they don't, they haven't really looked like they're beatable, um, these last couple weeks, but, uh, if we'll there's see. one
13: team in the nation, I don't want to win. It, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm with
1: you. I'm going to be, I'm going to be rooting hard, so we'll see what happens.
13: All right. Hey, thanks for all you guys do. I uh, really appreciate
1: it. Heck yeah. Take care, brother. You know, you. you know they got rid of the name of that, the Florida Georgia game. It used to be called the uh, the Florida, largest Georgia line. No, 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 that's a that's a that's bad. It used to be called the. It uh, was it the largest or biggest cocktail party in the world is what it used to be called. They got rid of that name. Yeah, they they got they had to they had to change the name, unfortunately. So it is what it is, it is. All right, we'll take one more caller. Let's see, what we got finish it out. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? Your first female caller here. First female caller. Do we have a bell? We should have had a bell.
0: Oh, we got <laughs> we got we Silas got, clapping. We got
1: Klaus or Silas. There you go.
14: Well,
1: thanks for hey, listening is, to the show. We appreciate it.
14: This is Crystal. I've been up in the chat yelling at you guys about not picking up your dang phone. Hey,
1: <laughs> Silas is only one man.
14: Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Female is ep- not Epio. Nowhere near that dang good. Natalie Ryan, go ahead.
1: Oh, you want us to talk about the uh, Austin Hannum tweet?
14: I want you to talk about her being a him that's identifying as a her. That's
1: a... Yeah, I'll let, I'll let I'll Hunter go first.
0: I definitely think this is a topic that's coming up in a lot of support. So for those who couldn't hear the caller, basically the you might have seen the tweet from Austin Hannum today. Uh, transgender, whole debate in disc golf, I honestly think uh, a few different things here. First off, personally, I haven't done enough research as to what all goes in um, transition-wise to take a hard stance one way or the other, but I will say I think the PDJ has been very smart in aligning with the Olympic Committee on this and making basically... Their rules and regulations follow the Olympic Committee rules and regulations because essentially the Olympics have access to a lot more research, a lot more development, um, a lot more technology to be able to tell what is an advantage and what isn't Mm -hmm. versus people who just, you know, want to throw out random facts here and there. So what the Olympics kind of say, uh, the different testing, the different things you have to go through to qualify for the transition into FPO uh, or into, and for the Olympics, any female division. I think following that is a smart move by the PDGA as it kind of takes any potential pressure off of them because they can just always default to the ones who are... We're looking at other sports there, just ones who are making the smarter decisions go with the Olympics. Um, I think the the only opinions that we should be hearing uh, right now, in my mind, is the FPO players. Um, I think, personally, my opinion, I'm not educated enough on this topic to really give one uh i know people are going to say it's a cop-out or whatever but what i want to do personally is just sit back and listen to the facts being provided um and exactly try to figure out what exactly it looks like what exactly it means um because here's here's what i'll say is the argument on against uh transgender women being able to play an fpo is the concern that Basically, the system could get abused Mm -hmm. and someone who does not actually identify as a woman could transition to a woman based on PDGA standards and then dominate the FPO field. And that, I think everyone would agree, that specific scenario would be unfair. If that Mm -hmm. person does not actually identify as a woman, they're just doing it for pure monetary gain uh, as money grows in disc golf, that would be unfair. That's where I think the research and loopholes have to make sure they're being covered as far as I can tell, they are being covered, so then the secondary question is just uh I think we have to kind of wait it out and see like is it ever going to be an issue of someone coming into f p o and just absolutely dominating where they're winning by ten strokes a see, i
1: see i think I think before you even go that, I think um you can look already at the fact that I don't think you necessarily need to have someone to come in and dominate for it to become an issue, right? In the sense of where uh, if they come in and never cash, then you're like, well, what's the problem? There's not really, there's nothing there. Like even if they're cashing, there could be people in the FPO that feel like it's if it is an unfair advantage or whatever it may be, if people are in the FPO field feel like there's an unfair advantage and they are missing out on cashing, that already is an issue. I don't, I'm just saying, I don't yeah. think you necessarily, I don't think you necessarily need to have someone come in and start winning every tournament for you then to be like, Oh, this is something that we need to, to see if people in the FBO do it. Cause I think you're right. The people that, but right well, what now, I don't
0: want to happen is I don't want feelings to be the thing that entirely makes this. No, I but I, I want enough I research do, and facts to be the thing that makes this decision. I would like to hear the FPO opinions. I think it'd be but, really interesting to hear
1: uh, the top women players right now in FPO uh, talking about what they feel like the situation is. Yes, Because I, I don't you. think we haven't heard. I don't Hello. think we have heard anyone.
0: No, the only thing I've heard is. Hold on, I think. Oh, sorry, Cri- we Crystal. Were you going to say something? Say something?
14: Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that if they identify as a female and go upon it young enough Mm -hmm. before they hit puberty, Mm. I would be fine with that. But when a male reaches puberty, he develops as a male and he gets the muscle tone and he gets the height and everything else like that. I don't think it's fair to go past puberty and then transition and say, now I want to play a female sport.
1: See that's the thing that's that another, I just don't. Yeah, that's another argument of where where it's like the timeline, right? Like yeah. at, at what point you know, is there a point in time in someone's life where they can transition and it still be fair or they can't transition and because it's going to be an unfair advantage. That's just a tough it's a tough, it's a tough, that's, tough where, one. that's where I want to see one.
0: evidence of like what like what exactly that looks like because the whole question is where I would agree it's unfair is if someone of a thousand rated MPO player caliber mm-hmm. can go through the full transition process, right? And be on the correct hormones, testing all that within the PDGA Olympic guidelines and still be a thousand rated player. That's an issue. Absolutely. Um, I, I, in my opinion, at least. But if it's proved that, like, all these things do limit um, and make it where it is competitive then I think that's kind of where we're at right now is this thing's as far as I know this rule's been in place for 10 years um and it hasn't exactly been an issue or been talked about until recently uh and at this point I still don't think we're at a point where it's a huge issue but it's obviously something that is going to continue to be brought up and in my opinion, just like in many other things within disc golf, I like the idea of looking at other sports and seeing yeah, it play out doing. and seeing what... Because it's gonna, if there is going to be issues and loopholes and stuff like that, it's going to be found in other sports before it's found in disc golf in my opinion. So I like the idea of looking at the Olympic Committee, looking at other sports and saying, what are they doing? How are they addressing uh, this? What is the process to make sure that there's not someone taking advantage of it? Because you don't want to harm people who are playing by the exact rules and you know you're excluding pushing them out Mm -hmm. but you also want to make sure you're covering any potential loopholes of someone who's like i can't you know i'm on the fence making money in mpo but hey you know these standards are pretty low i don't think they are i haven't done enough research but hey the standards are pretty low let me jump over and now i can cash out a big time deal
1: Crystal, do you think also the fact that the MPO is a division that's open to everyone and not just oh, yeah. men? Do you think that also plays into the fact of where like anyone basically can play in the MPO? So it's not like a you know Yeah, because the M is mixed, not just men. Yeah. And I think some people might be confused with that. Yeah. I knew I, I know when I first started playing disc golf, I thought MPO was men's because FPO was Female. Female. So no. that's where it was yeah, a little confusing. But anyone can play in the MPO. And so I think that makes it to where um, it would be – I think it would be a different – not so much a different argument, but there would be different arguments if both divisions were based – you know, men only, female only.
14: Yeah. I guess the whole, the, the whole argument – whole people in the chat that are saying, well, Paige doesn't play the MPO. She has played the MPO.
1: Yeah, yes. they have played. Yeah, Paige. I believe Paige, Juliana Corver, and, yeah, and I believe Kat. even Cat. I believe yeah, I believe Kat maybe also played in some MPO mm. in the MPO divisions as well. Yeah. Um yes. I
0: definitely think Juliana it's something cast. it's something that is going to be an ongoing conversation. Um I think the disc golf world as a whole, personally, I think what needs to be happening right now is a lot of conversation mm-hmm. back and forth, a lot less just opinions being thrown out and a lot more research articles, facts on both sides. Um, and If you can't back your opinion up with facts, then is your opinion really valid is my question. Um, and so to me, I personally oh. just, I don't know enough to take a hard stance one way or the other. I would love to hear some FPO players taking a stance maybe we can provide an outlet for them to do it anonymously or something Mm -hmm. like that if they want to take that um I I do I do think it's a conversation though that needs to be needs to happen and needs to happen with understanding and welcoming arms because um I don't I don't think that disc golf like a lot of a lot of ties could be cut if this conversation goes just like a hundred percent I'm wrong I'm right you're wrong and we cut ties like that and we don't hear out either side when I, I personally, like I said, back to the beginning, I think the, the stance the PDGA is taking right now is a very smart one of let's deflect align with the Olympics Mm -hmm. and the Olympics will trust them, their committees, their research to kind of make these decisions for us. And yeah, but
14: the Olympics is also mostly amateur. It's not a professional deal.
1: Say, sorry. Say that one more time.
14: I said the Olympic committee is dealing mostly with amateurs. They Mm -hmm. do have professionals in like baseball and basketball, but most of the sports are amateurs. They're not professionals. That is a little bit of a good
1: point of where most people aren't making their career. They're not making their careers in the Olympics. They're making, you know, that this is, this is people's jobs and careers. So that, that is a good point.
0: That is fair. That is a fair point.
14: Also, as for the FPO, I was at, um, yeah. The one in Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I were the scoreboard people. So we were up on the platform. Okay. And when Natalie Ryan did play her round, mm-hmm. nobody clapped for her. Nobody gave her the high fives. Nobody said good shot or anything like that. So I imagine it's annoying for the FPO players too.
1: Yeah. I don't, I didn't, I didn't get to see any of that. So I'm not entirely sure kind of what the, um situation was with her card mates or spectators or whatnot. Um Ooh. but you know it's it's interesting times right now. I for will sure. say it's interesting times.
0: I will say regardless of where you stand or anyone stands, I don't like if that is true if like her card mates were I don't treating think you her- should
1: I don't think you should out people like no, that she and is, make people feel she
0: is playing by the rules. Yeah. She is standing up to the rules if you don't like the rules, then you can go to the PDGA. Mm-hmm. But it, by no means should you, someone on your card, you disagree. I mean, she's playing by the rules. It's the same thing of like if someone was using spider tack on my card, and I'm like, I hate that. So I'm just gonna out this person and make them feel unwelcome because, mm-hmm. but they're playing perfectly within the rules. Yeah, so not, I think if you want to make your voice heard, make your voice heard. But I don't, I don't like the idea of.
1: I don't like the idea of that for any situation, regardless of whether it's this situation or. You don't agree Um, with someone what they are posting on Twitter about or whatever. I think at the end of the day, you should show everyone respect at the end uh, of your round.
14: I agree with that also. But on the same point is who are you going to turn to to argue this point? Because look at what happened to the women in the Olympics that argued against the deadlift uh, transgender
1: I'm not familiar with what the, what I, I, I did hear about that, but I don't know what happened to the win, women that argued against it.
14: Uh, they were pretty much thrown to the side and criticized for criticizing her being there. See, did, that's they,
1: where... did they come out on social media or did they go to... No,
14: when they asked the questions about the person being the deadlifter and hmm. all that, and they just wouldn't answer the question. They were just like, I don't want to answer that question. Yeah, and kept silent about it, and then they got roasted for doing that. Yeah, it, that, so you can't win for losing.
1: That is, that is. That's tric- what I'm saying. That is tricky hear- of where, like, if you are just curious and are just specifically asking questions, I don't think, I don't think you should just get canceled or like well, get what roasted. On everyone, that side, I think, too. needs
0: to be willing to have conversations, and instead of immediately jumping to, I disagree with you, so I will. I'm just not even listening to I'm shoving to you away. Yeah. I need to hear your side, let you hear my side. And both sides, we all need to just be civil about it and talk through this thing. Um, because at the end of the day, like I think both people are looking out for the FPO field in different ways. Mm-hmm. And both people want the best for the FPO field. It's just, where is the middle ground? And that's where I'm saying we need to look at facts, research, figure out. What exactly does make the most sense? Mm-hmm. Where exactly should we take the stance on this? And that's where I'm saying I think it makes sense to PDGA and the Olympics. I understand money's on, on the line with yeah, the FBO player careers. versus Olympics, mm-hmm. but I'm saying the Olympics obviously have a lot more eyes on them. They obviously have a lot more things and they have a lot more um, access to research and access to things to test all of these things to come up with systems they believe there aren't loopholes where stuff can be abused and jumped through and so i think aligning with that for right now makes the most sense and like i said too it has been 10 years and this is a, this is just now starting to become a bigger and bigger topic
1: yeah it definitely definitely is is definitely on the uh the tongues of many people
0: yeah but i personally um am a little bit i'm excited to see this conversation starting to happen um, just because I want to, I want to hear both sides. I want to view both sides, and like I said, I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion on it as of right now. Yeah. Um, I really would love to see FPO players on both sides stand up and explain from the inside why they accept it or why they reject it, and hear out their reasonings, and then also hear out people who are more educated than me on this topic speak on it as well, and let them kind of guide this topic because like, obviously yes, we have a platform to speak, but I don't think I have the right knowledge to speak on this topic with the platform. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: And there's, and right now there's just a lot of, you know, people walking on eggshells, right? There's a lot of people that they're, they're nervous about. That's what I'm saying. Just I don't how, like
0: the idea that you have to walk on eggshells. It's
1: just how social media is right now. So many people are just afraid of just slipping up and saying the wrong thing or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like everyone just is turns on you, and it's it's night night game over. Versus like you're saying, just open up the conversation. Let's have people talk about it. Let's come up with a solution, and whatever that may be, that's that's what it is for right now. And then we move forward. So
14: it's just getting past those eggshells.
1: It is. It's going to be the hard part. It is the tough part for sure. So, but we appreciate you calling in. Thank yeah. you so much.
14: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Have a wonderful mm-hmm. night.
14: Thanks you too. Bye.
1: Yeah. There you have it. There it is. I he- think
0: that was definitely the the most talked about topic before debate night. Yeah. Um,
1: Austin Hannum kind of tweets something out that 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 stirred the pot up obviously a little bit on the Twitter Twitter sphere. And obviously it was you know it was bound to happen to people wanting to call in mm-hmm. and and kind of see where it's at and uh yeah I, I think it's just gonna be it's gonna be interesting to kind of see where where it goes from here and and like I said, I think the people that i'm i would say my stance and opinion on it is probably way less important than the people currently competing in the f p o
0: exactly and that's what's tough is. If it's true that the FPO players feel like they they can't say how they feel um, for or against it for whatever reason because they're worried about losing sponsorships, losing their brand, mm-hmm. I just I don't like that idea because like we're I think this is a topic in the time we're in right now with the sport of disc golf and how it's growing is like all we should be wanting to do right now is have this conversation and hear the people who this decision affects Effects. which is yeah. the FPO
1: division cuz cuz the thing is is like I I try to do my best when I when I do talk about change in disc golf I try to mostly speak on the pro side mm-hmm. cuz that's stuff that's going to directly change me and like what I'm involved in and it doesn't really make sense it's not really my place to talk about something that might be, you know, change, change for the MA4, MA3, when in fact, I probably don't know all the situations that go on in those divisions because I've never played in them. And there might be some things that I think like, I don't know why MA3 does this or MA4 does this. Like yeah. They should do this. And then you have all these MA3, MA4 people going, no, we love that. Why are you trying to change that? So I, I sickly try to, t- you know, stick to the pro side of, you know, rules and stuff like that changes. Um, but we'll see, man. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, I think right now we're kind of on the tip of the iceberg because there, because there hasn't really been a, um, a big enough splash, I would say, of where yeah, someone transitions and then wins the next tournament they're entering and something like that. And then now all of a sudden that becomes a, a pretty large storyline, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then I think you're going to start seeing very uh strong opinions on both sides. I to me though, one thing that I will say on social media that I have I have noticed over the past, I don't know, two years, three years is how aggressive people get and how quick people are to immediately just stop conversation and just think you're a horrible human being. I, I have, you know, I've been on social media since 2000 and gosh, 2012, I want to say 2011. And, you know, obviously there's trolls and, and people that were negative, but very few people like ever attacked you as a person or a character, you know, you would just get the comments of being like, Frisbee's lame. Why are you throwing frisbees? or this is stupid? Why are you doing that? Where now it's like, I don't know, you you're starting to see such a more vicious, venomous, like it, I don't know, and it's separating us so much. and I think that's something that's like tough to take because everything's just gotten so political, it feels like, of where people can't like, if you disagree with them on one thing they just, you're, they're, you're dead to them. Mm-hmm. And like, no matter what you say, the conversation just ends there. Cause you've just, you've said this one thing and it's over. And I just feel like it used to, you know, the world used to not be like that. The world used to be like people being able to see stuff, differences between one another and be able to still like have relationships, even though you don't agree on everything. And yeah. now it's like, I don't I don't know what That's what what, what me, has started that or why that is but it it is very difficult for me to see that because I do have friends on both sides of the fence, right? Some mm-hmm. people believe this, some people believe that, and I value both of those friendships equally and it's tough to see like on the social media sphere of where people are just so willing to like cut you off and immediately act like you're a horrible person because you don't believe in the same thing that they do
0: that's what i'm saying is like i think uh, there's going to be some people that are just they don't want to have a conversation with you and that's that that's fine but i think it'll go a long way if you realize that at the core a lot of the basis for both arguments on both sides is the betterment of fpo and the good of fpo and if you realize that both people are trying to solve the same thing they Mm -hmm. just have different solutions to the same problem then you might be more willing to hear out both sides. Because realistically, you both kind of have the same end goal on both sides of the fence here. At least in my head. When I'm looking from like outside and I'm reading both messages and I'm seeing points being made, pros, cons on both sides, I'm reading and I'm like, both of these people are arguing for the betterment of FPO. Mm -hmm. right? It's just which one is going to get us there and that's where you kind of need to have these conversations. And the conversations aren't going to happen if you see someone disagree with you And then you blast them on social media or you immediately just resort to, I'm never talking to this person and block them. I saw a lot of people being blocked on both sides today that I'm like, these people have good, valuable opinions. And at the end of the day, they are people too. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that. Uh, You're not just blocking some random bot. These are people. Um, And conversations should be had. Uh, And I think social media is a great place for conversations to be had, but you gotta be willing to actually have that conversation instead of it just be uh it's both, one the, message and that's the thing is it's like it's, shove it aside. It's both sides. No, people that's just problem. people not, just get set not. in their opinion and no matter what you tell me, my opinion isn't gonna change. And I think that's awful for society because change happens when we are open minded a little bit more and hear out, okay, why do you disagree with me? Mm-hmm. Where are you coming from? And empathize with that person. Hey, why why do you think that way? Yeah. Okay. Hey, you know that actually kind of makes a little bit more sense now that I understand that I can kind of process and move through, because people I think people just immediately think if you think one thing or you think the other you hate whatever you're against when that might not necessarily be the case if you actually talk through with the person. But this is definitely a topic that this isn't the last you're gonna hear of it. It's gonna Um, be
1: around bit and just to kind of wrap it up with a little bow here is you know the the tricky thing is like. I don't even necessarily, I'm not even like wanting people to be like in the idea of like, no, if someone disagrees with you, you need to change your your view on whatever you're talking about, right? No. You might be talking about your favorite food and it's pizza and someone else's steak, and you're never, no matter what that person says, you're never going to change it from pizza because you love pizza. What I would love to see is like, I know this is a ridiculous analogy, but the idea is like, I would love to see people just not be so hateful to the other person that has a differing opinion. I think that is crucial. And I think there are a lot of hot topics right now in the world that if you don't agree with them and you're on this other side, it doesn't matter that you agree with them on 90% of other things. It's because that one thing you now have just like, I'm never going to talk to you again. Yeah. Like you are a terrible person versus just being able to like understand that people people have different opinions on certain things. It doesn't necessarily make them a a terrible human being. Um, but yeah, the, the hatefulness right now, man, the hatefulness right now on social media is it's tough to see. And it's one of those things too, that I don't think people are really understanding that back in the day, kids weren't on social media. When social media first came out, it was very adult heavy. Mm -hmm. There were very few kids like my, when I first started YouTube, My number one demographic was uh, women like 35 to 45. And you might think to yourself, like, what the heck? Like, that's so weird. It's because kids didn't have YouTube channels. They're watching their mom's account. They're they're watching my videos on their mom's account. They don't have Twitter accounts. They don't have Instagrams. They don't have TikToks. I don't think a lot of adults are understanding that there are so many kids on social media now that are very impressionable. That they're growing up in this atmosphere, in this uh, climate of where they learn that if someone if, you dis- if someone disagrees with you, that person's a terrible person. And the way that they interact with someone that is terrible is like these vicious comebacks and comments versus being able to open a conversation. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I will say this it's, final
0: thing on the transgender topic too is regardless of where you stand on, whether they belong in the FPO field or don't, hopefully we can all agree that on the disc golf course, they deserve respect and they deserve to yeah, be treated I didn't well. Yeah, like, I didn't like hearing that. No, that is something that hopefully I would imagine. I've Most disc golfers I've met would agree with this statement that on the disc golf course, no matter who it is, deserves respect, deserves to be treated well, and deserves to be welcomed into the sport. No matter where you stand on the fence of FPO, MPO, whole mm-hmm. breakdown. Um, so hopefully, at least disc golfers can all agree on that point. Um, Science, you got anything to add? Move forward with that. <laughs> that was a hot topic. To I mean, end. that that was a hot topic that I knew was going to eventually, eventually come up in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And uh, I hope it continues to be talked about. And hopefully, it it depends. Hopefully, you know respectful conversations both ways. Yes. can continue to happen to where we can understand both sides and, you know, just empathize with people. I mean, they're people. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not. There's too much hate already out there. We don't need to keep pushing more of it.
1: I like like the trash talk and stuff. Don't trash talk, stylist. I trash like talks different. I like the trash talk and all that stuff. It's just when when people get nasty and you can you can tell the difference between someone like being funny, making jokes or like just, you know, whatever. And then the people that are literally like being nasty, man, it's tough. It's tough.
7: Oh yeah. There's a difference.
1: Yeah. So I guess if we can all do a better job of just trying to be nicer to one another on social media, especially now that fact that like, I feel like social media is where most people interact with people nowadays. Like very few, there's very, very less. Like if you go to the airport now, like I just came back. If you go to the airport and you sit down, everyone's on their phone. Mm-hmm. There's no more of this. I used one of my favorite things about flying back in the day. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pro I'm one of the problems too, because when I sit in my seat in an airplane, I put my headphones on I pull out my iPad and I start watching a Netflix show or whatever. But one of my favorite things back in the day, flying was like sitting down next to random people and like just starting a conversation. Heck, one, one time I had such a good conversation with this lady that th- this could sound weird, but it is, we live in a different times time now, but she like literally we we're talking and she was like, Oh, where do you live? And I was like, I'm just like down here, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh my gosh, no way. I'm staying at that hotel right there. She's like, do you need a ride home? Like I can drop you off. And you know, I'm, I'm an idiot at this point. Like looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. But she took me, a, she dropped me off, saved my mom a trip from the airport. And, you know, I just think that was one of my favorite times is like just sitting down, talking to people, hearing about all the, all the their stories and whatnot. And now it's like you go to on a bus or a train or anything and everyone's on their phone. And so it's like, if that is where we're going to be communicating, someone just said Brody for sure almost got serial killed. If that is, if that is going to be like the, the number one form of communication that we have with people is on social media and 90% of the time you're like vicious and like you get on Twitter and you just like can't wait to like fire off tweets and stuff at people. I don't know, man. I just don't think that's a healthy way of living. And I I fall into it sometimes too. It's an easy trap to fall into. I think we all do. Um but if we can kind of take away from this of like I don't know, just being nicer to one another. It'd be nice. I'm know.
0: trying to get into this chat to mod it because I I was getting several messages that this thing kind of went
1: Berserk. Do so we not have mods in here?
0: We do not currently. I didn't I we were supposed to add them and apparently we overlooked that. So I was modding the chat until that call and I got very focused on making sure I was getting my point across mm. um and had to ban a few people. Okay. But uh so I apologize anyone in the chat that yeah, people came after you doing exactly the opposite well, of we what we were just saying. Out, but so. you know, all right, well, social media, social media. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm gonna get those
1: mods. I'm gonna yeah, those we're, mods I told.
0: I already. T- I messaged the mods in Discord, and we're gonna get them I modded think,
1: up. Yeah, I think I already messaged them, getting their emails. I just don't think I maybe followed through with that. So that's on me, everyone. Hey, that's on me. Apologies, but we do. Well, we're have, gonna get it taken care of. We do have disc giveaways coming up. Yes. If you haven't yet, go over to Foundation Nation YouTube channel. I think if you literally just search Foundation Nation. Uh, it will be over there. Um, Brian, thanks for the 499. Thank you for leading by example. People are entitled to an opinion, but Hunter said it best. We all de- deserve respect. That's a great way of ending. There we go. Thank you so much. I'm not even going to call people Don't out. Don't even call people out. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wish you all a wonderful, wonderful evening. If you're watching live, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever like that, we appreciate all the support. Thanks so much for tuning in and uh, can't wait for next week.